Thank you for the download stream. However you listen to this show, I just appreciate that you listen to it. And I'm assuming that you want to listen each and every week. The best way to do that is to make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. Whether you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, subscribe to the show. Hit the button wherever the button is and make sure that you get updated every time the show gets updated, every Thursday morning for free, as well as any bonus episodes that we might drop throughout the week, which we do from time to time, all on the arm. Also, if you want to help support the show, go on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, make it five stars, make it super, super positive. I love this guy. I love his show. I need Sam Roberts like I need oxygen. However you want to phrase it, do it over on iTunes because it helps more than I can tell you. And of course, always support our sponsors here on the show. I'm trying to find sponsors that will help you with your life. SeatGeek is sponsoring t- uh, today's show. So, Stay tuned. I will give you a code that's going to get you $20 off tickets to anywhere that you want to go uh, coming up today on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Let's get the show on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. So what are we thinking? Was it a recording of the Fink that brought the Undertaker out at Raw 25, or was it a with the Fink backstage? I don't think I didn't see him on TV for sure. I didn't see any photos of him. I'm assuming that somebody at the Manhattan Center would have said something, and I don't think he was announcing the other matches. So was the Fink live or taped? It's one of the mysteries that will probably plague us for quite some time. Unless this weekend in Philly, I just ask somebody and they give me the answer. If that's what I decide to do, I will give you the answer. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What a week it has been in this world of wrestling. Uh, Raw 25 ending up being a highly, more so than anybody thought, I think, controversial episode of Raw in the sense that uh, reviews were not all where people thought that they would be, especially reviews from people that were in the Manhattan Center. We'll talk about it all. We'll break down everything that happened at Raw 25. I can already spoil it for you. It's going to be one of the top five stories uh, this week in the state of wrestling. So make sure you're tuned in for that. And I'll talk to you about what it was like being there at the Barclays Center as well, because obviously uh, my experience with how I took it all in is skewed. But we'll get into all of it. We've also got uh, Royal Rumble coming up this week, a whole bunch of stuff happening this week. Uh, If you haven't seen it already, I would highly recommend going over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSam, and checking out uh, the segment that The Miz did with me on the Friday, on Friday, the Friday before Raw 25, uh, a week and two days before Royal Rumble. The Miz came into my show on SiriusXM. He wasn't booked, but I swear to you, it was a miscommunication, a miscommunication, if you will. Miz, if you're listening, and I know you are, I tried to tell you this, you barge into my studio, you demand answers, and you don't accept them. There were miscommunications, I was not informed that the Miz was in town, the Miz apparently was informed that I blew him off and told uh, the WWE's PR department that I was too busy for the Miz, and he bombarded the studio. He barged right in. You can see the full video. It ended up being like a 20, 22-minute segment of The Miz demanding answers. 
Uh, I love the feedback I got. Some of you guys leaving comments on the YouTube channel and on Twitter and things like that going, oh my God, you got Talking Smack Miz. You had Talking Smack Miz on your serious show. I guess I did. That's what it sounded like to me. The Miz cut one of the best promos that he has cut all year on my radio show, quite frankly, on me. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't already because it was it was just pure pure gold. There might have been little droplets of pee in my pants a little bit uh, at, at points. The Miz is a deceivingly large man. However, I think I held my own. I did try to control my environment. That is my studio. So make sure if you haven't seen that thing, uh, give it a watch over at youtube.com slash notsam because it really was an amazing segment. And if you like what's been happening with The Miz lately and where The Miz is in terms of being a WWE superstar, you are going to love what he did on the radio show. Now, I wanted to share something with you from the radio show uh, today. I would have played that Miz interview here on the podcast, but I'm assuming since I uploaded it to the YouTube channel right after it happened, it would be overkill for most of you guys to air it back on the podcast. And this podcast tends to be all killer, no filler. That's what we want to do at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. All killer, no filler. And I said, you know what was killer? Uh, My interview with not just Bruce Pritchard, of course, from Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard, uh, but Eric Bischoff. So, I, uh, I'm, I'm, of course, I was on, on Friday, I ended up going over to the Barclays Center and watching and being a very small part of something to wrestle with live featuring Bruce Pritchard, of course, the amazing uh, Conrad, and Eric Bischoff was there with them. And it was just cool to see a wrestling podcast get to do a gig, you know, coinciding with the Barclays Center and the New Jersey, uh, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets uh, it was just really cool to see how far podcasting and wrestling podcasting has come and how really Bruce and Conrad, believe it or not, are leading the way. It's very, very, very cool. But I was talking to Bruce before the thing and I said, hey, you know, while you're in town, you should come do the show. And I was going to get him in the Not Sam studio and this and that. But the easiest thing to do was just to get him up to Sirius there in New York City. So he did. And I thought I was going to have Bruce and Conrad in studio. But a day before the show, Bruce texted me and said, hey, it's going to be me and Eric Bischoff. So I go, oh, my God, I love Conrad. But Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff, same studio, same time, and I'm conducting this interview? Yeah, yeah, I'd say yes to that. Then, as if it couldn't get any better, I I welcome them into the studio. It's Bruce Pritchard, it's Eric Bischoff, and we start talking And all of a sudden, and this was pure surprise, I had no idea, Uh, Bruce, so the Sirius XM studio is right across the street from where Fox News does their TV shows in New York City. And JBL was on Fox News. And I guess Bruce Pritchard saw him and then texted JBL and said, hey, I'm doing, you know, Sam Roberts show over at Sirius XM. Yeah, you know, you should come say hi. JBL ends up walking into the studio and out of nowhere, and I, you know, I had no idea how close all three of these guys were. Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, and JBL in the studio with me. And as it was happening, you know, I thought to myself that this magic needs to be shared with the listeners of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So before we get into Raw 25, before we start previewing the Royal Rumble, Before we discuss everything going on in the world of wrestling, and I'm sure that's going to include uh, the controversy with Enzo Amore, you know, we were talking about 
the Roman Reigns stuff last week. This is this is far far worse. Um, but we'll get into all of that. Before we do, we start with the interview segment. And this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, courtesy of SiriusXM, it is Bruce Pritchard, JBL, and Eric Bischoff. One place, one time, with me for you. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Welcome. Hey, what's going on? Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, same room. Sit down, guys. It's kind of amazing seeing you guys in the in the same room promoting uh, promoting the same project now, huh? Yeah, it, it's a little not ironic. Only our, not only our project, but then... But, and then the WWE's WWE. project. What the hell's going on? Well, did you realize... I mean, in 2018, so last night... So I was talking about it at the beginning of the show. Bruce Pritchard has, uh, has done things that I don't think anybody uh, expected him to do, including you, yourself, Bruce, in the sense Especially that, me. Yeah, you've, you've <laughs> kind of turned podcasting, especially wrestling podcasting, upside down in the sense that you come out with this podcast where, you know, you're a known guy, you know, people know Brother Love, but in general, the name Bruce Pritchard, like, hardcore wrestling fans know who Bruce Pritchard is, but you're not like a household name, per se, and... Depends on which household. Yeah, I guess. In my household, you were known. Well, let's see, there you go. So, a household, yeah. that counts. (laughs) But you come out with this podcast, and it's just Bruce Pritchard telling his stories of 20 years of being right next to Vince McMahon, right? And going through uh, 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 shows and and specific characters and all this stuff. And it catches fire to the extent that you're doing like hundreds of thousands of podcast downloads. And I, well, I, first of all, I lived through the time of being next to Vince McMahon for all those years. Right. And, yeah, <laughs> That's and, the biggest shock. And the fact that anyone cares to hear those stories is yeah. kind of amazing in and of itself as well. Well, it, I think what's really amazing, and, and, and you guys are both in the same boat, is that you guys come from this time when wrestling was South Park, right? Like wrestling was the biggest thing in the world. So the stories that you have from that five years or something, all those people that were watching – even if they're not watching current day WWE necessarily, they still care about all those stories from when they were growing up. You know, the, my my favorite thing is when people ask me the first thing out of their mouth is what happened when, and then they fill in the blank. But almost all of the conversations start off with, "Hey, what happened? What happened when you remember that guy, you know, the the one with the black hair, and he was built really." I'm like. Okay, you've described <laughs> half the roster now, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get a little more specific. But it's interesting now because. Bruce, you were you were one of Vince's right hand men for like twenty years, right? Right. And a big part of that was the time when Eric Bischoff over here was running WCW in a specifically as competitive as anybody has ever run a company, going right after WWE to the point where you and Vince McMahon are writing TV, competing with what Eric is doing, and Eric is writing TV, competing with what you're doing, and and. It got to the point where you guys were after each other's throats, right? Or am I, or I, am I, no, I was after their audience. I didn't give a damn about their throats, but the audience was really important. But you to didn't? Me. Did you just want the audience, or did you specifically want the audience to the point where like they were going to be out of business? No, I think you know that's kind of a false narrative. You know that kind of exploded out of that area, uh, out of that era, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that you know Vince McMahon tried to convince everybody that big bad billionaire Ted was trying to put him out of business. He was trying to make himself the babyface. He was trying to galvanize the loyalty uh, in his brand. You know, yeah. he had been around for a long, long time. That really 
really wasn't the case. There was no real, you know, uh, agenda to put anybody out of business, but there was a, a a big agenda in terms of being number one and and willing to do whatever it took to become number one. So that story that's been told of you rallying your troops and saying we're going to put WWE out of business or WWF at the time, it's happening. We're putting them out of business. That's not something you did. Uh, you know, I probably did. Uh-huh. And I know that sounds like I'm I'm contradicting myself, but there was a lot of things that I did and said back then to rally my troops as well. Because you get, you got to remember, from a talent's point of view, it was a very weird situation. I had a roster full of talent that I was asking to do things that they knew was going to probably burn a bridge. Like what kind w- of stuff? Oh, just I- anything that I could do to um, embarrass kind of put down the competition. You know, it was one thing for me to go out and give away finishes and one one thing for me to go out with a holding a sign that says Vince McMahon fears ratings. That was me. I had no intention of ever needing to go back or going back to going to WWE. The talent on the we other didn't hand had any intention of you coming to WWE. Either, of course just. not. <laughs> but, but but the talent knew better. The talent knew that there was only really two places to work. They were either working for me or they were working for WWE, and they didn't want to do a lot of the stuff that I asked them to do that took it over took it to the top travis we have uh, another guest who's downstairs uh can you help get them up maybe i'll uh yeah just text me yeah do you still have the producer's number that i texted you uh bruce can you text him the name that you want in the system we'll put it in the system we'll get him up um so you didn't so that it was more creating this sort of it was your bravado kind of trying to be infused into your talent. It, it was a couple of things. It was galvanizing the troops, yeah. getting everybody to believe in the fact that we could be number one and stay number one. It was probably, a, sure, no doubt about that. You know, I had one. I was very, still am, a very competitive person, so I probably got caught up in a lot of my own BS in that regard. But I, I can assure you there was no real agenda about putting anybody out of business. I knew even back then, Sam, that the best environment we could be in was a competitive environment. Right. It was like the Coke and Pepsi wars, which is kind of what I modeled, you know, my approach to the business after. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, it, it, it does make sense. And it's something people have talked about, that the best time for both companies has been when there's fierce, fierce, fierce competition. And Bruce, you, as somebody that was there before there was competition that was this bad, while and after, you think the best time was when there was Really, without, really without a doubt, when there's somebody, look, you fight a lot harder when you're getting your ass kicked. And when Eric came in and WCW, when they really got competitive and they came after us with a vengeance, and all of a sudden we weren't the only game in town. We were the ones now that were just fighting for that existence and fighting to be a part of everything. And they're doing great numbers, which made us do better numbers. The business got healthier as a whole. And, uh, I think that's what's missing today is some good, healthy competition. But a lot of that's in hindsight. Like, while it's happening, sure. do you think that, like, holy shit, we might be going out of business here? There were there were times that we thought, oh, man, you know, could this be it? But at the same time, having been through similar situations, you always know that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel if you keep working and you keep fighting for it. But there were definitely times when we thought... Oh man, we're going to shut the doors and this is all over. Like when they were taking the water coolers out of the out of the building and that kind of stuff. 
No, it was it was more when we were flying down to uh, buy WCW and, and purchase it, something like that. That we were thinking, oh did, man, this did, is no, the you, end. You skipped you skipped about a year and a half there, but okay, whatever. Were, did you have to take water coolers out of? The, I mean, was there did did, did financial times expense, get very there tough? There were some expenses that were. <laughs> See, that still can't deal with it. Still can't deal with it. I'm just saying we shaved expenses. We did what we had to do to right. survive, and then come back and conquer. That's what we so, ultimately did. Was it tough to be financially? disciplined because that's the other narrative right that you were not financially disciplined because you had ted turner's money and you know again the narrative is you could just offer big talent however much money in the world they wanted in these ridiculous deals that nobody could possibly maintain for any amount of time yeah it's all all bs right okay. it's not true at all you so know, well, the thing that I, I the one thing that i always think that eric did mm -hmm. was when people say that Basically, what he did was create an atmosphere that had never been created for the wrestling business before, where all of a sudden the, the competition for contracts and the competition for their compensation, man, that changed everything. And, and, I, and it's changed even to this day the way that we had done business in the past. So did you have any – what were your feelings about Eric Bischoff? Hated You're, his guts. You didn't you even know him. hated him as a person. Hated his guts, didn't even know him. Right. And, and like, did you have – when you met him the first time, when did you meet him the first time? The first day, well, the first time I met him is when he came in for an interview with us in 1991. 19, yeah, 1991. And then did that get, was... You did not get the gig. I didn't get the gig. <laughs> no. no, but anyway. Uh, but the the next time is when he came in uh, in the Meadowlands over when in he, New Jersey. When, when he, WCW goes out of business and Eric Bischoff becomes a character on WWE Yeah, TV. Raw General Manager. So is the has by then, how many years removed from WCW was that moment? I had I had really left WCW for all intents and purposes in '98. I came back for a short period of time for about six months or a year. You're talking about five around years. 2000. So I had been out of it. I think it was 2002 when I came yeah. to WWE. So I had been out of the business, out of the public eye for about two years. So is two years enough time for your feelings of of hatred and animosity to kind of go away? Or when you see this guy, are you like, I don't know if we should be bringing this dude in? No, actually, I was one of the people that wanted to bring him in. Really? And and again, you have to understand that when I say I hated his guts, I hated losing. Right. Okay. So once you're I winning. Yeah, once I'm winning, oh, hey, Eric, I'm sure he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you, know, you talk about people that you've never met before, that you've never been around, and you judge them based on the outside perception, which is not always fair. Once I met him, you know, I fell in love with him, and uh, he's one of my best friends today. But it was, you know, not – I think if we had met in different circumstances, you know, it might have been different. I don't yeah, know. like like if we'd have met in 98 down in Houston or something, it would have been ugly. Been a, you think it would have been yeah. a fight? Yeah. Uh, uh, he's a karate man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm three-time Hall of Fame, uh, Black Belt Hall of Fame, just saying. I've heard that, yeah. Do you think <laughs> – because there were – I mean, Eric, you kind of notoriously challenged Vince McMahon – to a fight on your pay per view. Who do we have? Oh J my God. JBL just walked in. There's a little. JBL, <laughs> oh this is. What's going on? What a day. Hello, Mr. Layfield. Hey, John. Uh, uh, you dressed up for this. What's, <laughs> what's going on, JBL? Of Hello, course. Sam. How are you? Welcome. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, welcome uh, Welcome to the show, man. I just thought I'd crash the party. I'm There's glad you two did. Two great oh. gentlemen were here. I'm glad well, you we're, we're, we're here out. because we're at Barclays Center tonight uh, for the Something to Wrestle with live right after the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it's 
first time I'm getting it in. I took this opportunity to plug boxofgimmicks.com for tickets. Eric is going to be our special guest. We would love to have you join us as well in your fancy little outfit you got on today. You look good. It's not a fancy little outfit. Fancy little outfit. It's not a fancy little outfit. <laughs> Sam, look at this outfit. Is this not just a... I mean, he looks great, but he's a big man. He is a big man, but... Bruce looks like the number three ball. Isn't the three ball is red? <laughs> <laughs> you look like Daddy Warbucks with that $18,000 custom coat you got on over your $10,000 suit and your what do you got on? What kind of boots you got on? Uh, alligator. Oh, he's, got, he's got alligator boots on. I got ostrich. Okay. You do. Yeah, my mine mine are like 20 years old. Man. His he just killed that alligator the other day. I got Jordans. There you go. There it is. So it is the three ball, isn't it? The thread. <laughs> I think so. Just checking. <laughs> so we were just <laughs> round and red, though. That, 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 that's yeah. the point, right? Hey, we match. We were. Je- we do. We do. We were just talking about uh, uh, the rivalry that existed between these two, and obviously, I mean, JBL, you were like a a, a soldier. I feel like in in the wrestling wars for a long time. Like you've been a, a WWE. Loyalist, because Bischoff didn't want me. For <laughs> no, no, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but like, so you're saying we're talking about the night that uh, Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to a fight on his pay per view, which I, wasn't a wrestling match. It would have been a fight. It was the idea, I think. I think no, there would have been, no, there would have been no wrestling match. No, sure. no, I, I promise you. That. <laughs> I think we've we've I'm pretty drag. well out of the corner now. <laughs> <laughs> who's leading? Like who's get it again, kid? I think we've established that uh, should they have met at a bar, that Bruce may not have fared well against Eric because he's a karate. Who dude. the hell said that? Well, that's kind of what was. <laughs> I'm a three-time black belt Hall of Fame. The world knows it. It's okay. okay. It's because you donated a ton of money to the Hall of Fame. Did you? Did you stop with the freaking three-time Hall? Of fame, it's like you're Bruce Lee. <laughs> Three times, <laughs> close. I don't think he was inducted that many times. JBL, saying. did you ever have uh, 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 fantasies or or, or or thoughts of uh, beating up Eric Bischoff at, at, during any of those days? No, absolutely not. I, we, we had a, a very friendly rivalry. We did have the time when they invaded uh, Norfolk. I guess it was. We were at uh, right right there close, and we invaded uh, we invaded from Norfolk, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, and yeah. Went that, the that night, yeah. we didn't know what would happen back because we had invaded in that afternoon. And right. We were live, and uh, people went around. Jerry Briscoe went around and told everybody to kind of wait on the parking lot. Just because we didn't know what would happen. Right. So you had the Harris gonna... boys out there. You had Ken Shamrock, which we were kind of hoping that uh, Ken Shamrock uh, would just, uh, it was about all he needed, really. Yeah. Yeah. That was the night that, uh, or the, the afternoon, WWE sends their guys over to where. We were hoping Ken Shamrock and Haku would get into a fight because it, <laughs> st- it would probably still be going. <laughs> and everybody could just watch. That's right. <laughs> but we, you... actually, you stay, stage guys were stationed all around the parking lot just to see because we had no idea what was going to happen. All it, was, night. It, was a, it was a crazy time. Well, until uh, until the show was over and Vince and them actually left wow. the, the arena because we don't think they'd come try to uh, reciprocate in some way. Did you know that, that there were people, Eric, stationed just in case you sent troops over? No, I mean, I had no idea any of that was going on. And that's one of the things that I regret the most because had I known, mm-hmm. I would have let them in. Had I known, whatever would have happened would have happened on television, and it would have been so much Just better. Just call, call the bluff. Oh, call the bluff. Yeah. I mean, 
anybody that knows me, and if you just look back at the way I did things back then, I think that would have been some of the greatest television in the history of wrestling. So we're talking about uh, when when DX from the WWE went over to Nitro and 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 was like uh, outside in the parking lot and threatening to come in. They were driving a tank, and they, and were... they had no plan. No, I mean they had no well, plan. We had they... a little bit of a oh, plan. Oh, you did not. You were there, right? Oh yeah, I was there directing the whole thing. And, I love and the we fact were... you had a dummy tape though. A dummy tape that, in case we your did. tape got kidnapped, you're going to sneak one yes. out. That was something. Yeah, you actually had a plan. But if you're oh, gonna, if, you had, the, if you got in the building, though, say Eric would have let you in. If you got in the building, what would you have done? Oh God, we just would have taped it and gone for it. We were kind of hoping. <laughs> no we were clue. hoping. We were hoping for the bravado. We were hoping we were going to get in and get something. But, but you yeah, know what? Had... I, I, honestly, I don't think what you would have gotten would have been worth the it effort. Probably, you're right because the the boys. There was no heat between yeah, the boys. Right? No, there was they none. would have broken in. They would have no. come in. They would have been all in character. And, you know, doors would have been kicked down. And they would have got to the ring and been high fiving each other and yeah. you know having a good time. Well, let's go crack a beer. So it would have killed the whole thing. I think. So I, I agree completely. So that's the way you felt about the WCW Oh, we had no, anim- we had no animosity toward those guys. Right. Yeah, we, they put us out of business, when, and we were trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there was a the, the, the professional uh, fight between us, but there was no animosity between us uh, personally. You were all part of the same fraternity. Absolutely. Yeah. You're all, Everybody's you, trying to make a living. The boys right. are trying to make a living, and you don't want to put your buddy out of, out of work. So, But it is interesting, because before you came in, Eric was just saying that he did not want to put you guys out of business, that that was something that, uh, that Vince McMahon That's why he flinched of... when I just said that. He said that that was, a, that was a narrative that kind of Vince McMahon was more pushing to get you guys all charged up. Okay, well, well, you know, what, whatever the nomenclature, whatever the narrative, it, it worked. You, know, we, we, we were, <laughs> you were charged up. We were scared to death. Yeah. yeah. You know, during that time, we weren't selling any tickets before. right before that. Business was horrible. Business was horrible at WCW as well. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the NWO goes over there and, and sparks this incredible rise, and, and all of a sudden, business starts getting better, and we're getting beaten for the first time. And that was a scary thought. You know, we, we knew that Ted Turner had deep pockets. Uh, we knew that we were a private company. We had to stay within budget. It was, it was a scary fight that we had because it was not an asymmetrical fight at that point. Right. All of a sudden this thing – well, and it had been – It was an asymmetrical, I'm saying. It had been off balance the other way before that, right? Like WCW wasn't looked at as real competition for WWF before any of this. It was just like that's just that stuff that's going on down south over there. And then all of a sudden it gets injected. And now it's like now WCW is the one. And I and honestly, not to jump in, John, but I can imagine being on the WWE side of the equation, they're competing against WCW, who was owned by Turner Broadcasting, who owned a plethora of networks, including mm-hmm. TNT and TBS, that had unlimited funds. You know that was a that was a tough animal to go head to head with. Quite honestly, when you are not a public public company at that time. Right. You don't own your own networks. Your programming is on the air at the behest of, you know, network executives who can change their mind and their direction, you know, at the spur of the moment. So it wasn't necessarily a fair situation either. But that whole thing that was your advantage then is what ended up screwing up WCW completely because the company got even bigger. And when you're in that corporate structure, like you guys had the opportunity to kind of do whatever you want because it's your company. That, that's true. And I, I think the other thing that people forget a lot of times is WCW for so many years had a history of having old wrestling promoters who were in charge of things. Very easy. You, you could tell what their game plan was. You kind of knew what it was. You figured it out ahead of time. Now, all of a sudden, you got this new, young, cocky kid who wants to be in the television business, and he's doing things that traditionally had never been done in our business before. So the rules of the game, which there are no rules to the game, aren't being changed, and we're going, oh, well, Dusty never would have done that. Bill Watts never would have done that. Jim Ross never would have done that. Well, Eric Bischoff did it. 
Yeah. And it works. Which is interesting because when you look at how WWF was first on that rise, all the other promoters were saying right. Vince McMahon's not playing by the rules. That's exactly. not what we do. It is ironic. Isn't and it? you came when out you and did this. And, and, yeah. and everybody who's like played by these new established rules is like, what's he doing? You can't do that stuff. You can't give away our results. And Ted Turner was different then. I mean, Ted Turner, a little bit of luster has come off since he stepped sure. down from CNN, but that time he was on top of the world. You know, he had the Braves. He had a new format with with the Braves with his uh, net, t- TV network where now he's not only, you know, it's the Yes Network now with the Yankees, but Ted Turner was the one who, who started all that. I mean, he was on top of the TV world at that time. It, it was a scary thing to be in a fight with Ted Turner. He, he, he really was. He was an entrepreneur's entrepreneur and probably yeah. the last of a dying breed in that respect, uh, at, at least at his level. And he was willing to take amazing chances. He he was a risk taker. Yeah. Is it tough when you get to work with a guy like that? Because obviously you had admiration for him. Is it tough to then kind of try to figure out what the next thing is without... Because you're going to look at all people of that caliber as in you could be Ted Turner, right? And you're just not doing that. It, it was is tough. That a difficult... in, in fact, I never really did adjust. You know, the the, the yeah. corporate environment's never been one that I've been able to adjust to since that time for that very reason, because I loved working for someone that was a risk taker. He held you accountable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, as we talked about earlier, the narrative, just here's a bunch of money, kid, go do whatever you need to do. That wasn't the case at all. I had to live within guidelines and budgets and all, all the and results, same right? things everybody you else need to have had. results. And I was measured against those. Yeah. And when I succeeded, I was given more rope and that kind of thing. But to, to be able to have the opportunity to work with a guy like Ted Turner, who was a visionary in every way. CNN is here. Cable News lives today as a result of, of Ted Turner's vision and execution. Right. That was an amazing time, and I miss it. So uh, what were you going to say, I think John? Eric's rise is one of the greatest TV stories uh, in history. Really is. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about it. He, he goes from this regional territory up in the old AWA to be running this company that was beating WWE soundly for almost three years. Yeah. Uh, the revenue uh, jumps a, a significant multiple. Which is, by you the know, way, it, fairly unheard of because you can talk about this like it's history. But even then, WWF was then, and that was the name synonymous with pro wrestling. You didn't say pro wrestling. You said WWF. So the idea that WCW then could come and beat them in the ratings every week for is as ludicrous as somebody doing it now. Yeah, you know? and no person does it single-handedly, but Eric deserves the majority of the of the credit for all of this. This was an incredible story in television that happened in an incredible time. Do you think it's enough credit for being a television story, not just a wrestling story? Because I really think... No, like, absolutely not. It doesn't, does it? Absolutely not. Can you imagine an upstart league coming along and uh, unseating the NFL? Yeah. And beating them and almost putting them out of business? For years. Uh, for years. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, uh, it's absolutely unheard of. Yeah. And then, and, and then a, a Shakespearean fall. You know, right. Which, which is... It's, a, it's an incredible story. Right. Now, when it fell, uh, Eric, when WCW fell, had you kind of washed your hands with it so it was like I'm not really upset about what's happened to this place or did it feel like your baby was kind of being pulled apart it, it, in front it was of you. a little bit of both and it, really, it didn't happen all at once you know it probably looked like it did in many respects to the audience but in my world it really started in about the in August of 98 when the AOL Time Warner um when that really began to manifest and the changes that came along with it started really setting in the handwriting was on the wall. Well, that and, merger worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. But it was it was a painful period from like ninety eight August of ninety eight until the you know the time I was sent home in September of ninety nine was probably the worst year in my life, to be honest with you. And then when it finally you know when WCW was purchased by WWE and it was official, you know one half of my brain was still very much 
you know, I felt like it was my baby, as you said. The other half of my brain was doing everything I could to try to just separate myself from it, from it and move on with my life. So, I mean, it got to a to a, just a crazy point. Like, we all we all can imagine that wrestlers were being traded back and forth and, you know, oh, he's popping up here, he's popping up there. But it got to the place where off-screen people, writers, were being traded back and forth and stuff like that was happening. Was there ever a moment where you were like, let's see if we can get Bruce from Vince? No, you know, that's that's another, you know, part of the narrative. There was never really anybody that we sat back in, you know, in a dark room with a couple of six packs and said, okay, let's see if we can get this guy. Let's try to steal this guy. That never happened. When talent, whether it was writers or producers or or whomever, came over to WCW, it was really them coming to us. It wasn't us trying to cherry pick talent. Um, The only person that I kind of coveted, and I didn't even know him at the time, was Pat Patterson. Because there were so many people that were working for me that had worked with Pat and obviously worked with Vince McMahon that they just kept telling me what a great finish guy Pat Patterson was. And I had never worked with him and I had never met him. But I, but I knew looking at our product and what was lacking in our product that I needed somebody with that kind of depth of storytelling ability. And that is just, the headline out of that is Eric Bischoff wanted Pat Patterson did not want Bruce Prichard. I got that. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's I got that. He goes, yeah, Eric so goes, what the we, hell? We didn't sit there picking like who we wanted, <laughs> right. but we wanted we Pat we didn't Bruce. Want Bru- no, we, no, we didn't want Bruce. <laughs> but that was, we wanted Pat. And, oh, my God, we wanted Pat. Everybody wanted Pat. No, nobody wanted Bruce. But that was the only name that ever came up. And that was really because I didn't know Bruce. Inside where it counts, it hurts, man. Just <laughs> I didn't know what you did at that time. I was just It didn't come up, really. Okay, right. and if, now that you, you know. You can blame all the boys you, that okay, came over and didn't go, talk yeah, about you. If you could, you. If you could <laughs> go back, hindsight being 2020, I would have been over Pat. No, talk to Kevin Nash. Talk oh, to Scott Hall. Yeah, talk well. to all those guys that came over and never mentioned your name. It's their fault, not mine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> never mentioned your name. Wow, it just didn't That's come up. That's unbelievable. They never even mentioned your name. All they did was talk about Pat. How about Lee? Layfield. How about Layfield? Did they mention Layfield's name? You know, actually, I tried to court him in an airport in Tokyo one time and and and, and make a deal with him, but it never happened. You got me a raise. <laughs> I promise you, I forgive the interruption. We will get right back, and you will hear the story about how JBL uh, uh, got a raise from Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff trying to court JBL. But before we concentrate on JBL's money, I need to concentrate on your money and what you're doing with it. You know, Royal Rumble is, of course, this weekend a bunch of events. We already found out that next year the Royal Rumble is going to be in Phoenix, and there's going to be a whole bunch of events associated with that. WrestleMania is a couple months away. There's a lot of wrestling shows coming up that you're going to want tickets to, and it can cost a lot of money. It can be difficult to figure out where the best seats are, but I'll tell you where to get them. The one place that's the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to any type of event, and that, my friends, is SeatGeek. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal or you need the perfect gift, SeatGeek is what's going to help you find the best seats at the best price, fully guaranteed. Look, I if I wasn't invited to these shows, this is what I would use. Put the SeatGeek app on my phone and uh, because it's the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets anywhere. Anywhere you want to go with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Um, And it's what I would have used if I wanted to go to Raw 25 that just went down on Monday. Look, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek even grades every ticket based on value to help you get the most bang for your buck. So if you want to get the best seat, but at the best price, they help you find that middle ground. If you want the best value, you can get it. If you want the best seat available, you can get it. If you want that middle ground, you 
can get it. Plus, every single purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop with confidence. You will not get ripped off. You're not going to have that embarrassing moment that I know I've had friends that have shown up to WrestleMania, handed the ticket in. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Go home. Ticket's not legit. You're not going to have that problem with SeatGeek. It is fully guaranteed. So make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, whether you want wrestling tickets, sports tickets, concert tickets, you want to go see some comedy, you want to go to the theater. SeatGeek's got it all. And here's the best part. My listeners, all of you guys, are going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM. You're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you're going to be able to go wherever it is that you want to go. Now, I want to go back to JBL and how Eric Bischoff, in an effort to court him, ended up getting him a raise. I ran into Eric <laughs> in, a, in a bar in Dorita Airport. Imagine that. First time I've met him. What year is this? Uh, right when the Attitude Era started. Goldust first came out as, as Goldust. Really okay. got her in the crazy stuff. I don't remember because I was on a five-week tour for Bob at the point mm-hmm. that I had to fulfill an obligation to go back with Barry Windham and, and be part of the tag team tournament. And I run into Eric uh, leaving the uh, leaving the, the, the Japan and it got back. And I was in the middle of a contract negotiation. He got me a huge raise. And Eric not once offered me a job, so it was it was, it was that's, terrific. That's a pretty good good. buy you a beer. No, I, of course I bought every. No, I, I don't actually. I don't remember. He was it was very nice. It was a great conversation. First time I ever met him. Very that's a great timing individual. for that conversation to happen, though. Somebody just happened to see it. They thought it was a clandestine meeting. Yeah, yeah we just, went all. I, I went all the way to Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, got <laughs> to deal with, to 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 deal with, with Bradshaw because <laughs> we knew Black we, Jack Bradshaw was so hot at that point. <laughs> we knew we <laughs> couldn't meet in Des Moines, so we agreed to meet in Tokyo. <laughs> that's right. Now, what from a from a, I guess from a talent perspective, what was your interactions? With Bruce Pritchard. I love Pat. You love Pat? <laughs> yeah, Pat was the guy. Yeah, Pat was great. Wow. So for those that don't yeah, hey, know. Hey, it's my show tonight over at Barclays Center. You better invite Pat. <laughs> yeah, many, uh, maybe I should have Pat there tonight. For many years, Vince McMahon. It's his birthday. Historic, Pat, today? Hey, Pat, Pat's birthday today, 77 well, years old. Historically, for many years, uh, Vince McMahon had, had Bruce Pritchard and Pat Patterson by his side, uh, helping him with a lot of the creative yeah, but apparently you only wanted Pat. It was mainly Pat. <laughs> mainly. <laughs> mainly. Bruce was just there for, like, comic relief. I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, I no, I hired Bradshaw, so obviously it was comic <laughs> relief. <laughs> what was your What was your since he's here? Because uh, I'm going to ask you about Eric too. But what was your favorite thing that you did with Bradshaw uh, from a creative perspective? Uh, we went to one time uh, when we first started the JBL character and was working a program with Eddie Guerrero. So we went to Athens, Texas, to shoot some vignettes of John <laughs> catching some illegals, uh, <laughs> jumping over a fence. If we'd only know, had a wall, that would have been better. But then again, it would have been 2018 as well. But uh, we did it in Athens where John is. And we get to this house that John has set up for us of this ranch land, and we have crew, and i got lighting people, and they're walking all around the house. The people aren't home yet, and they're shining lights in their house, looking around and starting to set up stuff, and a truck comes pulling down the driveway, long driveway, because it's in Athens, Texas, where Layfield's from. Nothing but rich people there. (laughs) Um, So as the truck comes down, we're like, hey, this must be them. And the guy stops. And we see him get out of his truck, go in the back of his truck, and look like he got a shotgun or something. Comes back in, and we're sitting there, hey, how you doing? And the guy comes out, and, 
Who are you? <laughs> we were at the wrong house. Oh boy, that could have been which bad. which could have been yeah. really the that wrong house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, exactly. The guy but told us he would have shot us if if we yes. hadn't waved to him. Yeah, wow. And he thought it was being robbed, and he thought he had pulled up on a bunch we had of people. people. Flashlights looking right. at windows. I mean, it was. It looked like we were and we're unloading place. things, which looks like we're loading things sure. to them. And uh, but that was a lot of fun that night, just uh, <laughs> to have John chasing a, a, a family of immigrants over back over the get back over that damn fisher boy <laughs> wasn't it amazing what you used to be able to get away with Whoa. in character in character in character right? yes yeah. we're, we're, and especially you know and i think it's kind of getting lost that uh there was a time when like a, a, a skit like that right you could show it with the explanation that this is a villainous character right. so if you don't like what he's doing in terms of chasing illegals out of the country if you don't like that that's fine, because he's a villain. He's yeah. supposed to be doing bad things, right? And you know what's really interesting even today? You know, Russick has always fallen in sports entertainment, has always fallen into this kind of weird gray area, gray area category. Because in comedy, you could still do that today. Sure. In drama, you could still do that today, right? Right. In sports entertainment, you can't do that right. today. Because right. it's viewed in a different context do by you, the audience. Do you think it has to be viewed by that context, or... If you were if you were running a promotion or something, would you try to focus more on the fact that these are people portraying characters? Here's the credits at the end. Here's this guy's real name. The latter, because the, because otherwise you, you become much more confined in yeah. terms of your ability to tell tell a story and mm -hmm. and to solicit comedy and to get comedy. You know, you have to be a little outrageous. You have to do outrageous things. But when you're viewed in this weird kind of gray area context, it makes it very very difficult. What do you think of that, JBL? I, I think I completely agree. I think it's insane. I mean, you had Carol uh, on uh, Walking Dead uh, basically assassinate, uh, exterminate some teenager one day, a young girl. You know, and people didn't outrage. That's too far. You know, fans chanting, that's too far. You know, and, and now you have fans <laughs> chanting, that's too far. Really? You yeah, for what? Yeah. And I've, I've never understood uh, heel sections. You know, if a, if a heel has a heel section, he's not doing his job. He or she is not right. doing his job. And if people are comfortable with the heel heat, it's not good heat. Right. Exactly. You know, and why right. why is sports entertainment held to a different standard than Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or, like, or any other show? Like in 2018, they're shit over a bad guy wrestler. Because that's how Absolutely. that's how people express not liking yes. something, right? You don't like a character. You say, hey, I don't like the attributes of this character. Right. Or I really love the attributes of this character. Yeah. That's what it's for. It's interesting though. I mean People don't like that. I, I, but I think. I, I, let me give you a great example. Yeah, Years ago, the first time I'd seen what that now is called the smart mark. I don't even know what they they, they still have that term now. But I'd never I'd never met somebody who had written for a, one of the dirt sheets. Bill back this back in the early nineties. And somebody he told me I, I just think the that work rate from Killer Tim Brooks is terrible. Uh, first time I'd heard that term work rate. By, and, by, and, by the way, so so the first time you hear the term work rate is by one of the wrestling gossip people that are trying to use. Wrestling lingo. That's right. Thinking that, like, hey, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. try to use the lingo, which <laughs> just never works. Uh, and, and, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he, he just, the guy can't work. It's just terrible. Killer Tim Brooks, Killer Brooks, Tim Brooks. can't work. And, and, right. and I said, well, well, let me ask you a question. If they brought in Stan Hansen to beat up Killer Tim Brooks, would you pay? He goes, I'd pay double. I go, you're right. He's not a worker. <laughs> 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 that's what you want. You want people to hate the guy. That's the whole and Killer thing, sold isn't tickets. It? I thought Killer was a great worker. But uh, you know, that, that to me is sums up some of what you see with the hardcore base. That's probably why you get along 
with Eric, and, and actually with Bruce too. And the which way. is we really surprising. We don't we don't get along <laughs> other than our share of uh, love for donkeys. We <laughs> love donkeys. <laughs> Why well, portrayed? Uh, Let's let that one go. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, no follow-ups. <laughs> no follow-ups. It's just a thing. Well, not, you know, you know you what? Know. It's 2018. Okay, I'm yeah. Totally, you know, whatever you want to be. But none of you guys have ever had a problem with heat. None of you guys have ever had a problem being the the villain. None of you guys have ever. In fact, if you feel, if, I think all three of you, if you feel like you're starting to get cool, or you're starting to get cheered, you'd go and do something that pisses Absolutely. people off more. Absolutely. I walked out one day and I saw a JBL shirt and I, I called Vince right away and I said, why are you selling my shirts? Because I had no idea we were. And I said, this kills me. Why, why would I, you want a heel to sell a shirt? Right. And he said, you're right. They took it off the shelf right away. Uh, well, they, you know, they, I, that, but that person didn't buy one. They had spilled something on it. We gave them one of those shirts because we had well, so many. I sold it. Okay. <laughs> Last thing you want is somebody in the in the stands to be wearing some of your merchandise saying, oh, this guy is cool, and and person next to him wanting to boo. You know, you, you got to embrace that heat. And I, there aren't many people that do. You know, a guy like Randy Orton does. He certainly loves it. A guy like Miz does. I mean, there's yeah. there are a yeah. few. Jericho does. Yeah. Jericho, Jericho does. A terrific heel. Terrific. That's a Jericho. small handful. But there, it's an incredibly small handful, and it's always been a small handful. Yeah, and I think it's getting smaller now because – the it's not just dealing with the crowds it's dealing with social media it follows you now so you have to be comfortable with people who don't sure. separate the person and the character following you and being like you suck you suck you suck remember when we had the un-americans and, and they quit yes. because they were getting too much heat, heat yeah. real heat didn't want heat somebody called them a bad name in the airport and they said we can't take this and they i live in tampa <laughs> I, I, i'm not an un-american like, oh my god they hate you <laughs> i know they hate us i can't take it so it's <laughs> yeah. What are we crazy. What are we doing here then? Like, okay, um, Bruce, you. This is probably pretty obscure for you, but for us, like we all remember. Do you remember when a guy, a comedian named Patrice O'Neill, wrote for you guys? I think he lasted maybe three days. He said uh, Stephanie fired him four or five times because he didn't have a conversation about it. She goes, "No, you're fired." And he goes, "All right, I'm firing you right now." Yeah. I heard you. Like I remember I, Patrice. Do you remember well. Patrice? Yeah, yeah, sure do. He was, uh, he got, and he ended up, he was a huge wrestling fan. Yep. Um, but Hilarious. I mean, probably, he could go down as the one of the great stand-ups of all time. Right. And, I would uh, agree with that. And since he's passed away, I think that's only gone up, up, up for And him. here's my here's my Patrice story was, in, in the very short time that he was with right. the company. Because he, he, had, he ended up leaving because he goes, uh, uh. I got stand-up gigs this weekend because I'm not going to leave stand-up. And yeah. when, when he got signed, it was like, yeah, that's fine. Keep doing your stand-up thing. And they go, hey, we need you Saturday. And he's like, well, I got a stand-up gig. And they're like, well, we need you. And he's like, well, I got a stand-up gig. <laughs> and that, yeah. that was it. And but, then he went to do a Sunday Night Heat at the World or the WWF New York. And the entire time was playing video games. <laughs> the, the, the entire time he was supposed to be there, help produce things. And he's just sitting in the corner playing video games. And they're like, where is Patrice? And he was nowhere to be found. And then they go back in the little arcade thing there. And he's going, on. and same thing. He's like, I can't be bothered now, man. I got the high score going. I'm, I'm going to get this. And. That was kind of the, <laughs> yep. That's that was the end. That's exactly Patrice, though. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he would have done in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. I just curious. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm bummed out that Jim isn't here. He's in St. Louis this weekend, but that's because Norton uh, performed stand up on the boat at Shane McMahon's bachelor party. <laughs> well, that had to have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to that? I did not. Oh, I did. You were there, Bruce. <laughs> I was that there. That tells you something about his state of mind that he doesn't remember if I was there or not. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Must have been a good party. It was a hell of a party. It was a hell of a party. It was it was it was uh it was plugged and promo to be a hell of a party, so much so that we all had car services from our home and we all took a bus to the boat and there, I mean everybody Nobody was allowed to drive and just show up. You had to be on the bus. You had to have a car service. So a lot of times when parties get hyped up like that, it ends up, you know, nothing can live up to the hype. This wasn't one of those. This was a lot of fun. This lived up to the hype. Yeah. <laughs> this was this was a lot of fun, man. This was this was a good time. Do you have any recollection of the stand-up comedy that evening? I don't, I don't remember. You didn't remember okay, I don't remember there, the stand-up so. comedy. I remember the other entertainment right. that we had on the boat, which was a lot of fun. Right, right. Which was... So. <laughs> I don't know, they, brought, they brought out those donkeys that you were yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah, I kept I was I going like around donks. looking for a donkey. <laughs> said, Jake, we're, okay, we're, there was no donkey, so I was looking for JBL because I figured he would know. <laughs> so we talked about what your favorite thing with JBL is. Um, I somebody tweeted me this actually last night, and they said if you got Bruce and Eric in the same room, please ask them about the night on SmackDown when uh, Eric Bischoff passionately made out with Stephanie McMahon. And then it just kind of was just that. Like, it was just that one moment, and then that was the end of it. You, I think, did you produce that? I did. What happened there? I Pretty much just what you what you saw. But, but if you're, okay. Was, the, here's the weird thing to it, and, and I'll never forget Brian Gewertz, because Eric was wearing a Vince McMahon mask. Right. Prior to that, it was a Halloween episode. And, and Brian kept going, goes, is it not funny to anybody else that, like, technically she's making out with her dad? <laughs> <laughs> While her dad is standing four feet away, by the way. Yeah. Oh, so, Vince was in the room, yeah. So what is, uh, is that for you, Eric, is it, when you, okay, when you first get tasked with this, when you find out tonight on the show you're going to make out with Stephanie, what's the first thought? It was did, a rib. You didn't think it was going to happen? I didn't think it was real. Did you get along with Stephanie? Professionally, yeah, not personally. I right, mean, not not that we didn't get along personally, but I just well. I didn't I didn't yeah. interact with her on a personal level. Professionally, we got along fine. So, at what point do you find out that it's real life? This is happening. When Bruce started work, walking me through it, <laughs> we started setting it up and staging it, and you know, finding and he's our still marks. Looking at me like we're gonna really kiss, and and yeah. and Vince is standing there, you know, di- directing, you know, watching this whole thing, and I'm what just it, thinking, wow, this is bizarre. How is Vince? How does how does Vince direct you? Get in there, pal! Get into those puppies! Look at them! Embrace it! Those lips lock! I want to see Can I be edited out of this segment? Wow! That makes me want to do it again. <laughs> I, Look, I'm not out. here. Do it like you did Linda. He gets Linda, too. No, Linda was afterwards. I, I oh, forgot okay. about that. Like yeah. you're going to do Linda, then. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I, I probably shouldn't be here, either. The point of this story is that Vince is a great leader and a motivator. Yes, that's yes, 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 yes. That's all I'm trying to get across. But was it a, is it was it an awkward scenario for you? Or once it's like once you're once you're doing something in that world, it's just whatever we're doing. You it. know, I went to WWE knowing that I was going to be put in situations that were awkward and uncomfortable because that's the nature. You know, if you look at Vince McMahon, some of the things awkward situations he's put himself in, yeah. or he's put his daughter in, or he's put other people in. I knew when I stepped into that environment, I was going to be 
put into situations like that. Once I knew that it was real and it wasn't a rib, to me, it's it was honestly, it was just another scene. I didn't really think about it too much. You know, the best thing on Vince was when he was with Stone Cold Steve Austin. You talk about Vince putting himself in embarrassing situations right. mm-hmm. where he used the bathroom on himself in the ring. As some, you know, <laughs> and as soon as he did, Ron Simmons turned to me and goes, now what are you going to say no to? <laughs> because if Vince is willing to do that, that's it. Yeah. You know, to put over Steve and yeah. to be, you know, the, the ultimate bad guy coward. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what are you going to say no to? Which, at that point, I, it's, does it feel good as a talent to know, like, you know what? The boss is in this with us. Like, we're yeah. all doing this. It's a work. Yeah. And he, and yeah. he it's wouldn't a work. ask yeah. anybody people, to do something he wouldn't do. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, JBL, have you, do you think you've made more money in wrestling or finance? Oh, long-term finance, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, no what, doubt about it. What do you think of Bitcoin? It's a bubble. Like I think it's a modern-day tulip mania. But there's, my dad said. There's, a, there's underlying value in tulips. They were back in the 1600s, but mm-hmm. it was a bubble. I think it's a bubble now. I don't know where the underlying value is, but cryptocurrencies are going to take over. Governments hate them, so it's going to be hard for these cryptocurrencies to take over. I would not buy it because governments are going to try to suppress it because they, they can't control it. Right. So most fiat currencies, no matter what it is, uh, start from the top down, from governments coming down. This is going to have to start from the bottom up, from retail stores going up. So it's going to be a harder implementation. But uh, I think... What, what? I just I just I just tapped Eric Bischoff and I look at him and I go, I feel so stupid right now. <laughs> we're, we're all sitting here hanging on every word. Boy. No, he, okay. he had yeah. me at hello when he started <laughs> going off on you know, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was whispering. That's... You got any Bitcoin, Bruce? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Does your show do not take Bitcoin? You can go back to plug yeah. in your show again. No, well, that's at boxofgimmicks.com. You can get tickets tonight they for don't Barclays. Take Bitcoin. They don't take Bitcoin. What do they take? They take uh, American Express, MasterCard Visa, Diners Club. You I'll take cash. JBL, can you believe that uh, that Bruce Pritchard is hosting a podcast? Absolutely, the most entertaining guys I've ever known. But he and, he and Eric both. I think they're both two of the most, two of the best guys I've ever known, and two of the most entertaining guys I've ever known, and, and two of the most successful. But it's absolutely. become so big. Uh, absolutely, it's doing a live show at the Barclays Center. They Bruce, don't do podcasts. Bruce has always been entertaining. He's yeah. just being Bruce. And there's a reason he has a huge following. I, th- I think he's fantastic, and I think mo- most people that listen to him think the same thing. Yeah, think the same thing about Eric. Yeah. So, so we weren't done with the cryptocurrency thing. I think you just <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm you sorry. just went over. So, uh, uh, <laughs> you think that it's one of those things where hypothetically you could see the logic in why cryptocurrency would be a good thing, but governments will simply not governments allow it. Governments are going to try to suppress it. Look, the, the big thing on Bitcoin initially was the Chinese money that was stepping into it because that way they can get money out of China without uh, the currency restrictions or paying any type of fees. And then it became a speculative bubble, I believe. Mm-hmm. But just because it's a bubble does not mean there's not underlying value. There is underlying value. You just have to figure out what that just line is. You just got to figure out where it is. I don't think it's $10,000, but I don't know where it is. I don't know if that's 100 I don't know if that's 8000 I don't know where it is. Right. When did you get into to, to finance, uh, in the '97 uh, Asian crisis, uh, I started buying some money, buying some stocks uh, when I first had some money. Thanks to Bar- uh, Eric getting me a new contract, <laughs> <laughs> bought Applied Materials and I think Oracle. I think it was the first couple stocks I bought, and they did really well, like everything did in the late '90s. And you and started studying stocks. and studying and studying. Started studying. Yeah, I wrote a financial book. Then after. Uh, but say 2004, I wanted to build a wind farm in West Texas, where, where I'm from. It's the wind capital of the world. Worked with an investment bank. The, the renewable energy credit market imploded, so it killed the margins on the deal. But the investment bank liked what I did, and they asked me to come work for them. So I worked for an investment bank for about three years on Wall Street. Wow. Now, a wind farm is one of those deals where they have all of the like uh, the windmills turbines. and stuff. Yeah. And that's where I grew up in Sweetwater, Texas. Nolan County is the wind capital of the world. Man. Now, did you ever? 
when you're a, a performer and people know you as one thing, right? They know you as JBL or Bradshaw from the Acolytes, whatever. They know you as the wrestler that you're portraying. Do you want to kind of get out in front of everybody and say, hey, I also know all this stuff. I'm not just no, this. Goodness, you don't care. No, that, uh, like, I don't know if that's lack of ego or just a lack of in- intelligence on my part, but it's, uh, no. I, I, look, I loved what I did. I, lo- I loved the characters I portrayed. I loved the business I was uh, in and still in. And so I, I enjoy it. Uh, you know, if they if they know that I do other stuff, that's great. If they don't, that's fine as well. I'd rather people know about my charity work. I, and I started up my own charity in Bermuda, and I work with a lot of at-risk kids. I've been to India, to the slums of Mumbai just a couple months ago. I'm going to Haiti uh, coming up. I'm going to Venezuela to work with a jail ministry with the at-risk kids and how to work with education. I'm working with Play Rugby USA uh, here in New York, 5,500 kids. They've taken the graduation rates from in some schools that are 50% to 100%, with 100% going to college. Uh, wow. I'd rather people talk about that than, than anything I do. I, the, the other stuff. Is just uh, fluff. Love it. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Here is Sam Roberts. And that was an epic confrontation between JBL, Eric Bischoff, and Bruce Pritchard all together. And really, I mean, not even so much an interview as just getting to sit down and be a part of a conversation between three legends. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like when you go into a WWE locker room and it's a night like Raw 25 when all of those guys are in town. that's It's just, you know, kind of a BS session with guys kind of chopping it up, talking about what's going on, talking about the old days, goofing around. It's a, it's a fun thing, and I'm happy to have been able to share that with you here on the Wrestling Podcast this week. Raw 25, uh, I will tell you, being there was incredible, and I'm going to get more into that in the state of wrestling. Um, but it was just... The environment was very, very cool. Seeing all those people backstage walking around. Because I'll tell you that everybody that was on that show, whether it was the backstage segments, all of it was all done live. It was all done day up. They were all there. So, uh, you know, it was just, and everybody's interacting. And it was was very high school reunion-like. Not like high school musical. Like high school, like a high school reunion. I don't think there was a movie called High School Reunion, but that's what it was like, and it was very, very cool to just kind of be a fly on the wall for the whole entire thing. Uh, I'll be back, by the way, on the WWE Network this weekend. I'll be on the NXT TakeOver Philly kickoff show, which maybe we'll get into in the state of wrestling. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have time, and uh, I will be part of the Royal Rumble kickoff show as well, both on Saturday and on Sunday on the WWE Network and across WWE's social media channels. Uh, I'll be there, and I would encourage all of you to check it out, uh, and I think they're going to be great. You know, I still have a lot of thinking to do about the Royal Rumble and what's going to happen. I think, you know, this one, more than most recently, is a little bit tough to call. But some of the stuff that happened this week can lead us into certain directions. You know, before I get onto too much of a tangent about the Royal Rumble, why don't I just get us ready for it and throw it right into the state of wrestling? It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are. It's time. State of Wrestling here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Of course, you can hear State of Wrestling every week on, on the podcast here. But if you want to... Get a little bit of an advanced preview. If you want to interact with me while we're doing it, uh, you can go over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash notsam. And as I record it at some point Wednesday afternoon or evening, 
Uh, I'll do it on Facebook Live. So if I'm reading comments and stuff as I go, they are coming from facebook.com slash notsam and all my friends watching along on Facebook Live. Uh, so this week we're going to do things, I guess, a little bit differently. Um, we're not going to go in any order particularly. Okay, I've got my five stories that we're going to be featuring in the state of wrestling, and I think we're covering just about everything within those five stories. Uh, but I don't... Some of the stories are a little bit delicate this week, so uh, I didn't think we should put uh, any in order of any importance uh, per se. Like, one is not the most important story, but this is just the order in which it makes sense in the narrative in this giant head of mine. So let's get started. Story number five is Raw 25. The show, the feedback, the whole deal. Now, of course, I was there. I was part of the kickoff show, and that to me was... Like, unbelievable. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you saw the photo that I posted, the side-by-side, for the 15th anniversary of Raw. For Raw 15, I drove probably, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours up to Hartford, Connecticut, so I could sit in the audience and just watch the thing. And I remember it was spectacular. They had a battle royal with all the... uh, with all the old gimmicky guys. I think Jeff Hardy and Carlito had a ladder match. Hulk Hogan came back and did a deal with Hornswoggle. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on at Raw 15, but the point is I was in the audience as a fan, probably in like the fourth row. It was one of the first times that I had gotten to sit like really, really ringside, right? Like like on the floor, on the floor there. 10 years later, almost to the day, 10 years later, it's Raw 25, and I'm holding a WWE microphone and the Chiron says Sam Roberts and at not Sam on the WWE Network. It, I mean, I can't get into how mind-blowing the whole experience is. Uh, it, it is as dream come true as anything could possibly be. And hopefully, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too sappy, but if any of you guys out there are working towards something, just keep going. Just, just keep working. Just don't stop. Whatever it is that you're doing, just keep doing it. Don't stop. Just keep doing it and getting better and don't worry about anything else. It's been my whole strategy from day one, day one-ish, is just to keep, just to work, just to work, 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 not worry about all the like shortcuts, not worry about, uh, uh, well, I don't know this guy, well, I should be schmoozing over there, well, I want the fame over here, well, I don't have enough Instagram followers, well, I don't have this, I don't, just do the work. Just do the work and get, try to get as good as you can at whatever it is that you do and the only way you're going to do that is by repetition, just over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, crazy things happen in this life. You never know when these opportunities are going to strike. You never know where they're going to come from. So just be a good person and uh, and work really hard. That, I mean, you know, we could really get into it, but that's not this podcast is not about that. I'm just not, this is not an instructional podcast on how to improve your life. I could do that one too. But this podcast is about wrestling and Raw 25. So I say all that to say, of course, my view on Raw 25 is heavily skewed because I got to not only be a part of it and have this like uh, dream be fulfilled, I got to watch parts of it in the arena at the Barclays Center. I got to watch parts of it on a TV, but not like sitting in an arena, like just, you know, backstage on TV. I got to interact with all the people that were there. And like, it was just, for me, it was an unbelievably fun night. But... There is heavy, heavy criticism. Some of the heavy criticism is uh, absolutely fair. And some of the positives, I think, are being forgotten. So I'm going to start with the criticism only because if I start with the positives, you guys are going to get all over me. 
about shilling again. So let's start with some of the negatives. Um, some of what the show was lacking. So first of all, we got to talk about expectations for the show because that's what uh, so much of this stuff becomes based on. Expectations for the show were sky high, and that's not the audience's fault. Uh, that I mean, it was promoted so heavily, you're going to get expectations through the roof. And when you get expectations as high as uh, as as our expectations were for this show, no matter how much you announce, you're always going to want more. So it becomes kind of problematic when you don't have a surprise, right? Even though you've announced Stone Cold and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and a DX reunion and you, you've announced all this stuff, there's still a feeling that if all this is announced, imagine what they haven't announced. And for this show, it was one of the instances where all the really good stuff was announced, so there was almost this feeling of like, yeah, but more, right? And you're like, well, no. And to be fair, they announced a ton. There was a lot on the show, but they announced it all. So all of us that were expecting a surprise, me included, did not get that surprise, okay? So that's something. Number two is the the expectation. Uh, a lot of people uh, didn't think that this was just going to be, they, they thought this was going to be a happening. The, a lot of people thought that Raw 25 was going to be something that you couldn't miss in terms of it's going to make history, not celebrate history. People were expecting a happening and got a celebration. So people who went in looking for just a celebration and a good time and to see some of the legends, I don't think any of those people were disappointed. People looking for a happening, which again is how it was partly promoted, like you never know what's going to happen on Raw. Well, pretty much what was announced. People looking for a happening would have gotten disappointed. So that's fine. Okay. I'm okay with that too. Um, and the idea of the, of the dual arena show on paper, it sounded amazing. And the Manhattan center, like, oh my God, I was at the Barclays center all night, but I really wanted to be at the Manhattan center when stuff was going on because it looked amazing. The Ica pro banner hanging up, the, the font was right on the screen when Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross uh, started the show, and the announcer font was there with their names, and it was the same font. The entranceway was exactly the same. Everything was exactly the same. There was nothing half-assed. It looked so amazing to see Raw 25 from the Manhattan Center again. So cool. I love that building. I love the intimacy of the venue. I love that it looks different from anything else on TV. I love that, like, The Undertaker came out and they did not turn off the lights because in 93, they didn't turn off the lights. Like, that arena was designed to not just be like an amalgamation of raw history. That arena was designed to be what the arena looked like in 1993, right down to the referee's shirts. I mean, really, really cool and really well done. And I know we're not supposed to be doing the positives right now, but I was blown away at how good the Manhattan Center looked. It wasn't until after the show that I realized how upset the Manhattan Center fans were. I wasn't there. I didn't know. And I couldn't really tell watching TV. The issue was that it was a simulcast, which means part of the show is going on at the Barclays Center, part of the show is going on at the Manhattan Center. So when stuff is happening at the Manhattan Center, I mean, at the Barclays Center, the Manhattan Center's quiet. When stuff is going on at the Manhattan Center, the Barclays Center quiet. And people thought, I think, that it was going to be split up a little bit differently. 
like that it was going to be about 50-50. And maybe everybody would have been okay with that, but it certainly wasn't. There were only really three segments that took place from the Manhattan Center. They were all relevant segments. You know, the Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt match was very cool to see in that setting. Uh, the DX reunion and the Undertaker promo, all, all relevant and important uh, segments. The Undertaker promo, I think, left people wanting more, but that's because they wanted an answer. And I don't think we're ready for an answer yet because we haven't even gotten to the Royal Rumble. It's just we wanted The Undertaker here at Raw 25. So people were, were furious. And look, what had happened, I'm sure, was this idea that we can't have an arena full of people not see a show. We can't have 20,000 people in the Barclays Center watch most of this show on screens. Because if you think 600 mad people is, is bad and loud, you should hear 20,000 people in Brooklyn mad and loud. The issue is that people pay tons of money for these tickets. I mean, $800 plus for these tickets to the Manhattan Center, which, you know, I, I, don't, I can't even blame the people because if I were going as a fan, I would probably want to go to the Manhattan Center. And as cool as the stuff was, there just wasn't, a lot of it. Um, I think that in hindsight, and I get what they were going for, and on paper I even understand why it sounds good, but in execution it just, it wasn't right because it wasn't right for those fans in attendance. Um, and I understand what was being what they were going for, but I think in the future, if you're going to do something like that, you need to just decide either the first hour or the last hours from the Manhattan Center or do a special on the Manhattan Center just for the network and then do the rest of the show at the Barclays Center. You know, you got to do something where we are defining what is going on in each of these buildings because otherwise people feel like they got ripped off and you can't blame them. You cannot blame them for feeling like, come on, man. Like, you know, because there were so many rumors going around because nobody was sure what was going on. You know, for a long time, people were going, well, I think all the legends are going to be at the Manhattan Center and all the current day guys are going to be at the Barclays Center. And that wasn't even remotely true. I also think the show was lacking a through line. I think that, uh, you know, if you saw the promo that Stone Cold did uh, backstage for the YouTube channel and for WWE.com, stuff like that would have been amazing. Um, just something, even if Stone Cold were spending the night going backstage and meeting all the new guys and, you know, giving people the rub or, or, or telling people they sucked or whatever, something like that, just some kind of through line so it felt like, I cannot change the channel because I want to know what's going to happen next. Uh, this show instead felt like a series of bits. Well, there's this bit and there's that bit and there's that bit and there's that bit. I think if there had been some kind of like, well, I want to see what happens with this thing we set up early. It's going to pay off here and then here and then here's the big payoff at the end. That type of a thing instead of skit, 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 skit. I think then the show would have felt more smooth. I also think that like, Things like the Miz's promo, he wins the Intercontinental title, which we'll talk about, at the Barclays Center, and then shows up to do a promo at the Manhattan Center. I think that that promo at the Manhattan Center should have interrupted what was going on at the Barclays Center. I felt like there should have been more spontaneity. There should have been more of a feeling of a little bit of chaos. Because there's so many people across two buildings in two different boroughs of Manhattan, all celebrating Raw 25. There should have been a little bit more of a feeling of chaos and less like, here's the time to do this. Here's the time to do that. Here's the time to do that. Just so you had that feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know who's in control of this, you know, because that was a big part of Monday Night Raw. From, you know, late 96 until... 2002, 2003, which was really Raw's most famous years, I think, you know, in terms of, of, of how many people were watching. 
those years were all totally unpredictable and totally like, I don't know what's going to happen next. This guy's doing this. This guy's over here. You know, some of the some of the feelings that you got when a Zamboni drove down to the ring. And there's no, it wasn't like, hey, tune in this week because there's going to be a Zamboni. Like, you didn't know what was going to happen. And I think there should have been a little bit more of that. And it could have been done by like, if The Miz is going to go to two buildings, have the Manhattan Center feed cut into the Barclays Center feed. Oh my God, I know we got this match going on at the Barclays Center, but look what's going on at the Manhattan Center. Miz is over here doing this. Oh, look at us back at the Barclays Center. We got this over here. Titus O'Neil is over here doing this. Here come the Dudley boys. You know, do a thing. You had Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon talking back and forth from Nitro to Raw when WCW was purchased. Maybe do something back and forth. Maybe have uh, uh, Vince McMahon throw Stone Cold out of Raw 25. Well, he just stunned me. Or or Shane. He just stunned my dad. He's out. Send him out. Send him out. Send him out. Throw Stone Cold out of the building and then have him show up at the Manhattan Center. You know, just, just little interesting things like that I think would have gone a long way. If you have the McMahons throw Stone Cold out and then an hour later, wait, what's going on at the Manhattan Center? Stone Cold busts into Man- we see him outside the way they used to shoot stuff outside in 93 outside of the Manhattan Center. Stone Cold shows up and you got some lackeys maybe, you know, trying to stop him from going inside. Nope, Stone Cold's coming in. And guess who's going to help Stone Cold come in? Seth Rollins shows up. Whoever shows up so that some of the new guys get a rub too. Just little things like that I think would have gone a long way. And of course a redistribution of what goes on in what building um, would have made a big, big difference. Uh, and of course, uh, Peter says Coco Beware should have been there. Yeah. You know, there were, uh, it, it was interesting uh, who wasn't there. Lita wasn't there, which, I mean, feels like it must be intentional, not in a negative way. Maybe she'll be at the Royal Rumble or something because I can't believe that Lita would just be forgotten. Um, Mick Foley wasn't there, he said, because of storyline reasons. Bret Hart wasn't there for a medical thing. I think The Rock and Edge were both shooting uh, movies or TV shows or something. So, you know, you you would have liked to see those people there. Um, but we saw a lot of people there. And I want to get into the positives of the show as well. The Miz winning the Intercontinental title. Huge, huge positive, especially the way he won it. He looked like a million bucks, and it really feels like going into 2018, we're jumping on a Miz train. A Miz train that probably should have been going since the end of 2016, but he's just his stock has just been rising and rising and rising, and it really feels like the Miz is going a long way. So, you know, I think the match was great, uh, and I think what he did in the Manhattan Center, I just, you know, yeah, I, 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 he was a star. He came across like a star at Raw 25, which is exactly what you want. One of the current roster guys coming across like a star. Perfect. Um, The opening segment was absolutely one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Stone Cold coming out, stunning everybody. I mean, that opening segment was absolutely priceless. You can't say anything negative about that opening segment. We can talk at the end about how amazing the Manhattan Center looked. Amazing. And they redid the neon entrance, so it was just a W and a W, not a WWF. And I'm so glad that they went to that detail of doing that. Uh, We got to see uh, the Balor Club and DX working together. And by the way, how amazing was Xbox uh, uh, X Factor? You see him, Xbox looked like he was in amazing shape. And and, and then he just nailed the X Factor perfectly. He spread his legs out in the air. It was it was it was amazing. You know, guys that have been around as long as X-Pac that have had uh, lives like X-Pac has had, for the most part, cannot do stuff like that. And I thought it was a positive. 
it was uh it was controversial some people uh talked to me and they said uh well it should have been stone cold and 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 the mcmahons at the end of the show not the beginning but at the end of the day you've got to figure out what's going to happen for Raw's 26th year and Raw's 27th year and Raw's 28th year. And in order to do that, you got to figure out what's going on with the Royal Rumble. So I think you have to end the show with a segment that is pushing things forward, pushing things forward. And Stone Cold stunning Vince McMahon at the end of the show, while it would be cool to see, has no bearing on the Royal Rumble on Sunday, has no bearing on SmackDown, has no bearing on Raw next week, has no bearing on what we're doing moving forward. So I think that they made a, a very right call in ending the show with Braun, Kane, and Brock. They brought the legends out just so it looked cool. And uh, I think that they've done a great job in terms of the prom uh, promotion for the Royal Rumble because that's been a little bit of controversy. People are saying, well, they haven't hyped it up enough. I actually think they've done a pretty good job of hyping up the triple threat match for the Universal title. I think on paper... Some people were not excited about Brock Lesnar versus Kane versus Braun Strowman. And I think that over the course of several weeks, WWE has left people excited. That, that I feel like that is a legitimate thing. Like, I want to see what's going to happen in that match. That is a match. I want to see what's going to happen in that universal title triple threat match. And if that hadn't been promoted properly then that would be an easy one to be like, oh, yeah, Braun and Brock, I've already seen him. I don't know what Kane's doing. Like, you know, watching the segments on Raw uh, over the past several weeks, they've really put some time and effort into promoting that match. And I think they've done so very, very effectively. The Royal Rumble, at the end of the day, the Royal Rumble match is kind of going to sell itself. You know, we all know what it is. We all get very, very excited for it. So the fact that they're spending so much time selling on Raw the triple threat Universal title match and on SmackDown, the handicapped WWE title match, I think is very, very valuable. And it's really fleshing out what uh, the Royal Rumble event, what the Royal Rumble pay-per-view is going to be all about. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think by any any stretch of the imagination that Raw 25 was a failure. You know, I think people are being a little bit overly harsh on it because they expected more. But I do think that people are fair for expecting more. And I think that you could have gotten there. And And... I think that's just something you have to pick up and learn from in hindsight that, okay, you know, I see what we were trying to do here. If we had done this, if we had done that, if we had done that, people probably would have left feeling differently because that's what you want, right? You want people feeling good as they leave the show. You want people feeling like they got their money's worth. And I don't know how you could expect people to feel that way, especially at the Manhattan Center, who spent so much money to really not see that much except the aesthetic of what you set up in the Manhattan Center in 2018 to look like 93. I still thought that was amazing. And that's why I'll never say it was a bad idea because I really wanted to see what the Manhattan Center looked like and I was really satisfied with how they made it look. I just think that it was a... The execution was it could have been smoother. Could have been smoother and the way you get there is by being direct with what's going on at the Manhattan Center and factoring off a specific amount of time, whether it's a one-hour special, whether it's the last hour of the show, whatever it is, for or just doing more segments from there. But I get, uh, I get why you can't. Uh, so yeah, you know, I definitely thought because people said the only thing good was the opening segment, but the Miz Roman Reigns match was a, a huge win, huge win, and ending the show going towards the Royal Rumble, I think, was also 
a smart thing to do. So, you know, I appreciate Neil saying uh, you were great on the kickoff show. Uh, yeah, that was a super, super fun time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that... Uh, and it says, I love seeing Eric Bischoff at Raw 25. Yeah, it's little things like that. Like, I would have loved to have seen a confrontation between Eric Bischoff and Stone Cold, uh, stuff like that. But, you know... Seeing Brother Love out there and the Brother Love pop that he got, amazing. The reaction that Brother Love got, all because of that silly wrestling podcast. We are taking over the world with these wrestling podcasts. I just love it. I love seeing it. Jericho getting away with wearing his uh, uh, Alpha Club t-shirt on TV. Awesome to see. And, And like I said, it ties in the fact that that Chris Jericho that we saw at Wrestle Kingdom is the same Chris Jericho in WWE, is the same Chris Jericho in WCW. It's one character on this amazing journey over the course of however many years now, and it's so much fun to watch. It is just so much fun to watch. Uh, okay, and the and and yeah, I, I tweeted about it. Richard Rowan just uh, talked about it in the uh, in the chat. Um, the Ico Pro banner was just so so clutch. I guess is the word clutch it was an I, I want the ICA pro banner for this studio i would i don't care how big it is i would cover the entire walls in the not sam studio with an ICA pro banner if i could get that banner uh unless you know the people there burned it down i don't know uh all right let's go to story number four which has to do with the people who were not at raw 25 specifically cm punk now i was not even remotely expecting cm punk to be there and was honestly kind of shocked that people uh thought cm punk might be at Raw 25. I didn't think CM Punk would be there. I didn't think Hulk Hogan would be there. You know, the other guys had explanations. I thought Hulk Hogan was more likely than CM Punk at this time. I mean, you know, to all of our knowledge, there was still an active lawsuit going on. CM Punk was just announced for another UFC fight. Like, parties have moved on. I'm not saying you'll never see CM Punk in a WWE building again, but we're not on the precipice of it. You know, it's not something to hold your breath because it's about to happen. It's not about to happen. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. People thought because CM Punk was put in the Raw 25 opening that it meant that CM Punk would probably be at Raw 25. No way. I mean, I like that they put him in the Raw opening because it would be dishonest to not have some kind of reference to the pipe bomb in, you know, in the reflection of what Monday Night Raw was. But... That certainly doesn't mean that he's going to be on the show. And now people are saying that they think he's going to make an appearance at the Royal Rumble. CM Punk's not in the Royal Rumble, I don't think. You know, I don't, of course, I don't know any of this stuff. I don't have any inside scoops. I I try to avoid every inside scoop because I still like watching as a fan. But it is very obvious to me, as somebody who's watched as long as he's watched, CM Punk is not going to be in the Royal Rumble. Mark my words. Do not. If you're putting placing your bets or whatever, do not place bets on CM Punk. Because I will come on this podcast next week and I will eat my hat if we see CM Punk in Philadelphia at the Royal Rumble on Sunday. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and I just put him down as, as story number four because uh, uh, just because so many people are now talking about him. Uh, they're asking me on, on Facebook, uh, do you think Punk is going to be a part of the all-in show? Punk will more likely be a part of the all-in show than the Royal Rumble, but... I don't know if Punk, if he is part of the all-in show, it'll probably just be to be cut a promo or something. I don't think Punk's interested in wrestling right now. I just, I still don't think, you know, I think he walked away and he left with a bad taste in his mouth and it it, just the desire to do it is not hitting him. And uh, that's fine. Fine for CM Punk. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. Uh, We'll see. I think, 
I don't think that him returning to WWE or wrestling a match will be a conversation to have until after his next UFC fight. After his next UFC fight, we'll be able to reassess where he's at in UFC. Obviously, after the first one, it was like, okay, he's not ready for this. Um, So we'll see where he's at after the second one. And then, you know, I could easily see him coming back within a couple of years. Maybe. That's when I'll have the conversation. But no time anytime soon. CM Punk is not coming back. Uh, to 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 wrestling, I don't think. You know, Grant says on Facebook, Punk versus Omega would be a show stealer. Yeah, but I mean, they're gonna. There's other show stealers. And somebody on Facebook also just wrote, uh, sometimes we desire what we can't have. Yeah, that's what's happening. Of course, everybody wants to see CM Punk back, but it's not gonna happen. And you know, Hogan's not coming back anytime soon. Uh, all right, let's move on to number three. Story number three, which is really just something we have to talk about, and I'd like to put it in as much of a wrestling context as possible since this is Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, but Enzo Amore. So Enzo was at Raw 25. He was in the Barclays Center, uh, and this story came out on Twitter that there was a woman accusing him of rape. And uh, from what I read, I didn't interact. I did not see him at the Barclays. I just read that he was there. I, I hadn't gotten a chance. I was doing other things. I did not see him at the Barclays, but I'm told he was there. And I apparently, from what I've read, same thing you guys have all read, uh, he was suspended, sent home, and then one day later, fired uh, from WWE. Now, more news has come since then. So the woman who's accusing Enzo of rape has done an interview with TMZ, uh, kind of detailing a really, a really brutal scenario, a really disturbing scenario. There are other YouTube videos that are discrediting her. Uh, she is a U- some kind of a YouTuber. I don't know. She's not like famous on YouTube, but she does YouTube stuff. Um, and you know, there's other stuff about her. She did a YouTube video about faking a pregnancy. She's had a history with drugs. She's there's 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 a lot of stuff there that maybe lends to her credibility, but certainly does not let me say, well, she didn't get raped because rape is a very very serious thing, and I think you know the most terrible thing you can do is to do that to somebody. But it's really really bad to to accuse somebody of that when they haven't done it, because not only does it damage that person, but it damages the cause. I don't think that women or men, I don't think that people who uh, have had that happen to them should have to deal with being questioned. That's why people stay silent, because something traumatic happens to them, and they know that if they say something about it, well, nobody's going to believe me if I say that. And people who have to experience that should never feel that way. It's, It's a toxic thing, and it helps nobody except villains. It helps nobody except the people uh, doing these horrific crimes when people feel that way. Everybody that this happens to should say something about it. But if there are people, and there have been, like look at the Duke Lacrosse case, who accuse people of this and then it's not true, it makes it more difficult for people that it has happened to to come forward. So I, I on one level... So 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 either way, like I, 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 I really hope that Enzo did not do this because I know Enzo. I'm not like, you know, best friends with him, but I know Enzo. We would speak, you know, we, we, we get along very well. He's been on the podcast a couple of times and I, I've always really liked him. Every show, um, we always, you know, spend a little bit of time together, chit chat, whatever, very friendly. Uh, we both collect shoes. We both like, you know, different stuff, music, whatever. 
Um, and I would really like to think that this guy that I was talking to would not have something that dark inside of him. But you never know. At the same time, like it disgusts me that somebody, it, both ends disgust me, you know, that somebody would fake it. So there are videos uh, that are being circulated of this uh, woman uh, that makes it seem like uh, she's a little, uh, I don't know. She's done things in the past that are not quite uh, on the up and up. All that said, it doesn't mean that you can discredit what she said until uh, uh, that Enzo did this to her until a full investigation goes down. Um, Enzo has released a statement that he is complete through his lawyer that he's completely denying this, but he was fired from WWE. And I don't know why he was fired within 24 hours. Um, I would assume unless there's some kind of heaping pile of evidence that's about to be uncovered that really proves that Enzo is guilty. He was fired for one of two reasons. Number one, he's guilty and WWE figured that out. And if that's true, he should be fired. Number two, he knew this was coming and didn't tell the company. And in that case, he probably should be fired too, because when you work for a big company, they have to, you have to, if, if you're going to be accused of something that you didn't do, they have to be prepared for it because the company has to put out statements. The company can't look bad in doing all this. You know, they're, they're representing you. You have to represent them. So, uh, all of that said, so Enzo's gone. Cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore is gone. We don't exactly know, uh, what the ramifications were. He's got this horrible, uh, he's charged with this horrible crime. I don't think he's been f arrested, but he's accused of this horrible crime, uh, which we can only hope somehow goes away, you know, um, in the sense that he didn't do it, not in the sense that we just stopped talking about it. But we should talk about, um, and Caleb says, I'm inclined to believe that, Sam. Uh, oh, oh, oh. It was an open case since October 2017, so I read. So, you know, if it's an open case from twenty from October and it doesn't come forward, yeah, that's a, a horribly irresponsible thing to do. So let's talk about the cruiserweights. On 205 Live, it gets announced that uh, in order to figure out what's to be done with the cruiserweight championship, there's going to be a general manager put in to 205 Live. So the question is, what is going to happen with this division? Because the whole thing seems snake bit. Uh, TJ is the first cruiserweight champion. It doesn't really work out. He doesn't connect with the fans. He's got to deal with fire TJ signs in the crowd. You know, the whole thing is just, it doesn't work out. Cruiserweight tournament in general was kind of snake bit when you got like uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Ibushi and people in this tournament, like the, the big names besides TJ, not signing to WWE, just coming for the Cruiserweight Classic. To start a division, you know, you go, then you got uh, uh, Brian Kendrick who gets injured, Neville, who apparently leaves the company. You got like like you go down Rich Swan who had his legal troubles. You go down the list and and there's been nothing but trouble in this 205 live division. So the question is what do you do with it? Austin Aries is gone gone. He would have been a huge asset, but he's gone gone. He's doing his 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 indie uh bookings. He's he's and he's doing really well. So what do you do? I think that the only thing you can do is name a general manager. If I were going to name a general manager at 205 live you go one of two ways. Either bring somebody in for star power or give it to Drew Gulak because Drew Gulak has been gold. And I would probably lean on giving it to Drew Gulak. Star power, because, I mean, he's just amazing. Star uh, In terms of star power, I would have to, I think that needs to be injected into the division. I think you do whatever you can to get 
uh, Neville back in, on 205 Live. You do whatever you can to get Neville back in good graces with WWE. You get him back on TV. You need Neville for that division. He's just so good. And after you get Neville back, you immediately, immediately push Ricochet right onto 205 Live. He knows what he's doing already. He's been wrestling for years. He should be wrestling as, you know, the Ricochet style. You can change his name if you want to. That doesn't bother me at all. But I think you have to put Ricochet on 205 Live, you know, Tuesday. Next week, he's got to be on 205 Live. You might even put him in the Royal Rumble just to get people excited. But he's got, he, Ricochet has to be, enter into 205 Live right now. And the next battle for the Cruiserweight Championship has to be between Neville and Ricochet because that will garner interest in this brand that was really struggling and relying on the star power of Enzo Amore. So that's what I would do to try to uh, salvage 205 Live uh, and make it better. You know, some people are saying uh, super crazy for GM of 205 Live. Uh, yeah, uh, Billy Kidman. I saw that name. Um that is that is uh, that is a, a a good idea, Billy Kidman, because he was I don't know if he's charismatic enough to pull off general manager. He might be I don't know, but uh, it would be a good choice because he was a cruiserweight. James Ellsworth for GM I think is a great idea. Um, Aries was wasted on two hundred five live. Now some people are saying that uh, they don't like the idea of Ricochet being on two hundred five live. They want him on NXT. I understand that you want the best for Ricochet, but. You you need to put stars on 205 Live. 205 Live is in desperate need of stars. And by the way, if Ricochet is on 205 Live, that means we're seeing Ricochet matches on Raw. That means we're going to turn on Monday Night Raw and see Ricochet on Raw right away. And I know that 205 Live is not the most popular thing right now, but if you get the right guys over there and you can garner some interest, you really can make it better. And I think... If wrestling fans know that Neville and Ricochet are battling for the Cruiserweight title, like that's the main rivalry going on on 205 Live, they're going to be attracted to the show. Because just thinking about it, I'm psyched up about the show. That's what I would do. Uh, uh, that's what I would do with the Cruiserweight division is immediately bring up uh, Ricochet and, and do whatever I could. Just do everything. Whatever Neville wants, give it to him. Re-release the WrestleMania DVD with his match on it if that's what he wants. Whatever you need, you got it. Because I need Neville and Ricochet uh, fighting each other. Especially if they ever want to take that show on the road. That's what you got to do. Um, but again, I, 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 yeah, Drew Gulak's general manager, Ricochet and Neville as your main event uh, at 205 Live. All right, let's talk about um, TakeOver Philly. That's story number two. TakeOver Philly, Saturday night. I will be there for the kickoff show, for the pre-show, uh, along with uh, Charlie. Um and I'm, I, I think this is shaping up to be a, a really cool takeover. No gimmicks, no war games, no whatever. It's just relying on the card. And the card is really good if you go down it. So you've got, uh, of course, the women's championship match is uh, uh, Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler. And this is a really interesting match because Shayna Baszler has been pushed right away, you know, right up to that, uh, to that uh, title picture. You know... You go, well, who else? Why would Shayna Baszler get the shot right away? Who else would be there? Well, I think, you know, the, the names that come up right away are Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. But I don't think, because we've seen Ember, Moose, Ember Moon beat Peyton Royce and Billy Kay recently, the whole point of TakeOver is 
especially since you have a brand new women's champion and a brand new NXT champion, you want to believe that one of those titles and brand new tag team champions, you want to believe that there could be a title change at this show. So you have to pick your opponents carefully. And I don't believe that Peyton Royce or Billy Kay could beat Ember Moon for the title right now. But even though she's brand new, Shayna Baszler could potentially beat Ember Moon. That's because Shayna Baszler is the perfect person to act as a spoiler because she's she's a she's a heel in every sense of the heel term. She's a bad guy. She wants to spoil things. She does not want the fans to have a good time. She just wants to win. So if anybody's going to spoil Ember Moon for the fans, it's going to be Shayna Baszler. Number two, she's got the MMA background. So you've got this, this amazing uh, offensive collection that Ember Moon is not used to fighting. And number three, it leads you into this scenario where you've got Ember Moon trying to get a rematch, but at the same time, let's think forward. What's the next TakeOver show? It's WrestleMania weekend. It's the biggest TakeOver show of the year, the night before WrestleMania. Takeover. I don't know if they'll call it TakeOver New Orleans or what it'll be, but that's the next show. So what is coming after this one? And I would say a match for the... If you've got Shayna Baszler, who's now taken out Ember Moon, a, a woman that we thought... You know, I think a lot of people think that, that Ember Moon because she's the second coming of championship material. She took the, the the crown from Asuka. We would now expect Ember Moon to have this long run as champion. Well, if Shayna Baszler spoils that, imagine Kadi Sane chasing Shayna Baszler. Imagine going to take over WrestleMania with Kadi Sane trying to win the title from Shayna Baszler, who we just saw spoil Ember Moon's entire run now we're not going to believe that Kadi Sane can beat Shayna Baszler but Kadi Sane being as popular as she is could be NXT Women's Champion right so you've now put yourself in this space where you've got the next several months of TV all lined up for you into what is going to be a great match at NXT TakeOver at Wrestlemania then you've got your tag team title match you've got um uh Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus the uh, AOP and I definitely think that the Undisputed Era should win that match, number one, because I think the Undisputed Era needs to look tough. And number two, I think this is the weekend. Don't wait for WrestleMania. Do it at the Royal Rumble. Bring the Authors of Pain to the main roster. It's time for the Authors of Pain to go to the main roster, and uh, I think that this is the weekend to do it. Use one entry. Let that buzzer go off. Only 17 names enter for the Royal Rumble so far. One of them, the 18th name, should just be the Authors of Pain and have both guys go in the ring, clear everybody out, and maybe eliminate themselves and say, we don't need this. But I think that, that the Authors of Pain should be introduced to the main roster now. I think they should have a match at WrestleMania. I don't think they should have to wait till WrestleMania. And then, you know, you've got the, the, the Undisputed Era, you've got Sanity, you've got War Machine coming in. Like, you, you've got... I think War Machine should come in and replace the Authors of Pain, be in that spot in the tag division, and then eventually have a War Machine-Authors of Pain match, but not until both teams are on the main roster. But I would have the Authors of Pain uh, lose at TakeOver and then go right to the main roster, if it were me. You've got uh, Alistair Black versus Adam Cole. You know, I think that... I, I could see Adam Cole winning by cheating, I don't think this one needs a clean finish, and I think I could see a rematch going. I love the matchup. I love Adam Cole and Aleister Black 
matched up together. And I think that that's something that should not just be a one and done. So I would see Adam Cole winning, and but but through cheating, and Aleister Black needing to get his revenge, either on NXT TV or at the next takeover, maybe. Who knows? Then you've got your NXT Championship match. You've got Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling. Um, I you know, and I'm going to try to bring it up on the NXT pre-show. So if I bring it up there, don't be like, "Hey, I already heard this on the podcast." Be like, "Hey, this is a guy from the podcast." Uh, it's, it's, I think it's really cool because the Johnny Gargano story is the mirror image of the Andrade story. The Johnny Gargano story of a guy who was just losing, 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 losing every match. And then finally got something to lift his spirits, started winning and made his way all the way after losing all those matches, made his way all the way to number one contender and an NXT championship match. The last person to do that was Andrade Cien Almas. And when he did that, he won the championship. A couple of things could happen. I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys know in Facebook, but I don't know uh, when Chiampa's uh, coming back to NXT. But obviously... Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa is the match that we want to see at the WrestleMania TakeOver show. A couple of things could happen. We could see Ciampa come back and cost Johnny Gargano the championship as a surprise. We could see Johnny Gargano win the championship and then Ciampa comes out and challenges him and, and, and we realize that's the next match. Or maybe Andrade just wins clean and the Ciampa stuff comes later. You know, there, there, there's a lot. Or Gargano wins clean and, and Ciampa doesn't, and, and Ciampa raises his head or rears his head sometime, you know, in February and announces that he's back and starts gearing up towards uh, towards takeover. A, a lot of things could happen. But again, because of Ciampa and because of the story, the underdog story that Gargano is working with, there is this idea that even though he just won it, Andrade could lose the title. He could Storyline-wise, it could make sense for him to lose the title, which makes it an interesting match to me. I would still predict Andrade walks out with the championship because I think, you know, looking right now, and these takeovers are so well done because stuff actually happens on NXT TV. So you can't really predict from one takeover to the next because so much happens on NXT TV. You know, if we had predicted takeover Philly uh, in, where was the last one? Uh, Houston, I think. Was it Survivor Series? Yeah. If we had predicted... Yeah, I think Houston. If we had predicted TakeOver Philly and TakeOver Houston, it would have looked much different. Gargano wasn't even in the conversation at that point um, as far as the the, the world title. And the tag team champions uh, were not uh, 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 the Undisputed Era. So, uh, and I don't think Shayna Baszler was even in the conversation. So a lot happens and a lot changes. And it depends on injuries because ideally you want for NXT TakeOver WrestleMania your rematch between McIntyre and Andrade. You want Ciampa Ciampa versus Gargano. I like the idea of Cody Sane versus Shayna Baszler. Um, You know, and and maybe, maybe you have War Machine versus Undisputed Era. I don't know if you want to rush War Machine that quickly. Maybe you have War Machine versus Sanity and Undisputed. Now you're getting into a very long show. But there's a lot that could happen. And I'm uh, I'm I'm very very excited about it. Um, and, and then uh, Grant says, or Candice may help Gargano finally beat Andrade in Vega. That's true. You know, in not in a bad guy way, but in a way that uh, uh, you know, like she stops Zelina Vega from interfering. That it's possible. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot that uh, there's a lot that could happen, but I think it's I think it's interesting, and and you know I think somebody's bringing up the Bludgeon Brothers. I think the Bludgeon Brothers would be a great set of opponents for the authors of Pain. You know, once they get to the main roster, you know, and 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 War Machine will get there eventually. Is that a guy or a tag team? I think it's a tag team, isn't it? Um, all right. Uh, story number one. Story number one is, of course, the Royal Rumble. Uh, Sunday night, the Royal Rumble goes down, so let's go over the card. Uh, obviously, the Cruiserweight Championship match is not happening. You got the the Bar versus Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bar gets the championships back, although it does seem like hot potato with those titles. I just think that that match is going to be about the furthering of the Jason Jordan story. However it goes... It's going to be at the furtherment of the of the Jason Jordan storyline, which I think is actually being told really well. You know, some people are are frustrated with it because they don't know how they're supposed to feel about Jason Jordan, but that's the point. Like that that his character is slowly showing itself. Um, what else do you have? You've got, uh, of course, the two Rumble matches. Uh, you've got the the WWE Championship match, the handicap match. I wouldn't be surprised. If AJ loses the title, but wins it back at, at before WrestleMania, that wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if AJ loses the title but wins it back before WrestleMania. So AJ still walks into WrestleMania the champion. Uh, both brands have a pay per view between. There's two pay per views between the Rumble and WrestleMania. So I think that usually is how it goes. So. Um, so there is going to be room for a little bit of, of there's a little bit of wiggle room. Um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, and I think that it, that also is going to be about furthering the story between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, which could rear its head in the Royal Rumble match or could not. We'll talk about that. Universal title match, uh, I'm quite sure we'll see it stay on, on Brock Lesnar. But here's where I think it's going to get interesting. Let's get into the, well, let's get into the men's Royal Rumble match since it, since it, since it goes right in there. Um, I would like to see... So there's a, a couple of scenarios that could happen. We have to realize that at Raw 25, Roman Reigns lost. And there could be a reason that he lost. Roman Reigns could have lost the Intercontinental title and left making sure that The Miz looked strong and he didn't necessarily look that strong on his back because he's going to win the Royal Rumble. There's a huge possibility that Roman Reigns, who is not right now in the Royal Rumble, we, we all have to be aware of that, that as much as we enjoyed Miz winning the Intercontinental title, we have to be aware that Roman Reigns, that it could have been that good moment so that we have to deal with Roman Reigns winning the Royal Rumble. It could happen, okay? And there's a likely chance. He's on the short list in my mind of people to win the Men's Royal Rumble match. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm not, and I, I, I think that no matter what, I don't think there's anyone, anything you can do. I think no matter what, Roman Reigns is going to get a, a, an even worse reaction from Philly than he got in 2015 if he wins. But I would not be even slightly surprised to see Roman Reigns uh, win, win the Royal Rumble match. There's talk about John Cena winning the Royal Rumble match. I don't think it's going to happen only because I don't think John Cena is going to be in the title match at WrestleMania. In fact, you want to hear something crazy? You want me to go out of the box? I don't think John Cena is wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania either. If you had to ask me right now, put money on what John Cena is doing at WrestleMania, I believe at WrestleMania we will see John Cena versus Elias. I think 
they are building John Cena versus Elias to a WrestleMania match. I think, believe it or not, criticize it if you want, I think we're going to see a WrestleMania match between John Cena and Elias. That's, that is, I think, John Cena's future at WrestleMania. And I don't know, Elias could go over. He could, you know, it's WrestleMania, so you probably want to leave with John Cena looking strong, but... I don't. I, I think that they're trying to do something with Elias. It feels like that they're that they that they are are behind Elias in a big big way, and I think that they're going to give him that WrestleMania moment. I I think it's going to happen. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think that that's that's what's going to happen. Um, there's also the idea of Nakamura, Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. Personally, I think that Nakamura may be 2018's 2015 Daniel Bryan. Meaning we all went into Philly wanting Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble. And we didn't get it. We didn't, we, we didn't get it. We got Roman Reigns instead. And I, I, I think, and we wanted, Rome, we wanted Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble the year before, and we didn't get it. We didn't even get him in the Royal Rumble. We got Rey Mysterio instead and Batista winning. I think that Nakamura may be that same guy. I think Nakamura is the guy. People have been talking about Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. I've been talking about Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble since the fall. You know, it was probably like September when we started floating the idea of Nakamura wins the title and goes to WrestleMania and fights AJ Styles. Like, this is not, if you have pitched that idea, here's what I think is going to happen. Nakamura wins the title, goes to WrestleMania, fights AJ Styles. The idea has been had. We've all had the idea. I, I set it up uh, beautifully a couple months ago in one of my, uh, in one of my scenarios, right? Um, I think that that's the fans' choice. I think that because fans have been talking about it for as long as they have, and in some ways because fans want it so much, we're not going to get it. Nakamura is the fan's choice. I don't think he's going to win. Do I want him to win? Very much. I will flip out in Philadelphia if Nakamura wins the Royal Rumble. I will be the happiest little schoolgirl that you have ever seen if Nakamura wins the Royal Rumble. In my fanboy heart, what will make me the most excited? What will give me the biggest endorphin boost looking at the list that we have in front of us in terms of that Rumble winning? Nakamura is the guy that gives me that boost. I just don't think it's going to happen. I have learned to manage my expectations. And maybe that's why I don't get so angry and disappointed at WWE shows. Because I've seen them. I know how they work. And I don't see Nakamura winning this thing. I just don't. Some, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't, you know. Um, Miz is in the Rumble. There's a guy on Facebook who says uh, Miz should be the Universal Champion. I don't. I think I don't think Miz is going to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, here's what I fear: Roman Reigns wins and eliminates Miz last, because Miz is going to get cheered like through the roof, and I don't want Miz to get cheered like that. So, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the Miz. Um, so, I will be excited if Nakamura wins. Nakamura winning is the fans' choice. John Cena winning is a safe bet, but I don't see it happening because I don't think he's going to get that championship match. I see Roman going on. Uh, I see I see Nakamura going on to face AJ. Or over here, I see the company choice, quote-unquote, the choice that we've been talking about is the choice that we don't want for a year, 
is Roman Reigns does indeed win the Royal Rumble, go on to WrestleMania and fight Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. There is a very, 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 very high likelihood that that's going to happen. You have to go into Royal Rumble. You have to. You will, you will hate yourself otherwise. You have to go into Royal Rumble knowing that there's a very strong likelihood that Roman Reigns is going to win and go to WrestleMania and fight Brock Lesnar. That is a very strong likelihood. You just have to accept it. Or don't watch. You cannot leave going, I can't believe that Roman Reigns won and he's going to go on to WrestleMania to fight Brock Lesnar. You can't believe that? Really? Because I told you that you have to. You have to believe it. Believe that. Have to. If it, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you have to believe that it's a possibility. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a world of disappointment. Um, so you got your fan choice, Nakamura. You got your company choice, Roman Reigns. Here's my dark horse choice. Here's what I do if I am in charge of WWE. And I think it would be interesting. Triple threat match happens. Braun Strowman collapses something on the guys, but the guys move. Kane and Brock Lesnar move. They either chain him or a big thing falls on his ankle. So he is stuck. He is stuck to something that he was just trying to pull down on them, whether it's one of those, whatever it is. Like he, it's a big, heavy object, and Braun Strowman is stuck. They get back to, they get into the ring. You know, Kane and Brock Lesnar go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Brock Lesnar drops the F5, one, two, three, pins Kane, and Braun Strowman is furious. He's got snot, and he's got drool coming out of his mouth. He's just, He's growling. He's and then he takes whatever whatever is on his ankle. He picks it up and he breaks it because he's so mad about what's happened, about the injustice that has happened. He was stuck here, and Brock Lesnar pins Kane, and Brock Lesnar gets to win the match. So what happens? Ro uh, 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 Braun Strowman at number twenty-seven because I love that number twenty-seven. At number twenty-seven, we're at five, four, three, two. It's the Men's Royal Rumble. One. Here comes Braun Strowman at number 27. And Braun Strowman wins the Royal Rumble. He starts eliminating everybody. 28 comes out. 29 comes out. 29 is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle comes out and he tries to eliminate Braun Strowman. No, Braun Strowman eliminates him. Triple H comes out. Braun Strowman eliminates Triple H. Braun Strowman is going to eliminate Kurt Angle and Triple H out of the Royal Rumble to get payback for what happened at Survivor Series. Final two in the ring, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman and Nakamura. Those are the final three. Braun Strowman eliminates, uh, Roman Reigns eliminates Nakamura. Boo, boo. We start to realize, oh no, Roman Reigns is going to win the Royal Rumble. Braun Strowman eliminates Roman Reigns. Do you have any idea? If Braun Strowman eliminates Kurt Angle and Triple H, Surprise entrance in that thing. Because we're sitting there going, oh no, Triple H is going to win again. Braun Strowman eliminates him. Oh, what? do you think Kurt Angle's going to win? Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar? He can't go like that. Nope, no problem. Braun Strowman eliminates Kurt Angle. Now we're down to Nakamura, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman. Roman Reigns eliminates Nakamura. The most heat you could possibly have. That was the fan's choice. That was Daniel Bryan he just eliminated. We wanted Nakamura. Now we're looking at the ring and we're, we're just booing everything we see because we're getting a, a repeat of what happened because they're teasing us. They're not going to let Braun Strowman win this thing. Braun Strowman's not. Oh my God, Braun Strowman just eliminated Roman Reigns. Did his feet hit the floor? Did Braun Strowman just win the Royal Rumble? Braun Strowman goes on to WrestleMania to face Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. That's, 
my Royal Rumble. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. That's what I do. You know? I think that I, to me, money, 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 money. And Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar looks awesome. You can advertise it. You can put it on a billboard. It looks super cool. Braun Strowman is so amazing to look at in person. You can send him out to do media. You can have him put his hand. You can you can baby face him all you want, you know, because it's going to work. You can have him, like, put his hand on, like, uh, news reporters' heads and stuff, you know, just to show how big he is. And you can still do something great with Roman Reigns, by the way. There's still plenty of spots for Roman Reigns to go in. What if you have Roman Reigns versus Nakamura? What if you have a rematch between Roman Reigns and The Undertaker? You have, you have many ways to go with Roman Reigns after that. But then you've got a great match for Roman Reigns. You've got the potential to make a superstar. Braun Strowman is working. People are cheering for Braun Strowman. I said it from the beginning, Braun Strowman's a good guy. I said it a year ago. Nobody believed me. Stop saying Braun Strowman's a good guy. He's a bad guy. No, he's not. No, he's not. And guess what? I was right. Huge surprise. Sam Roberts is right. People need to just listen to me. But that's it. That's it. Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Nakamura. Roman Reigns throws out Nakamura. Heat on heat on heat on heat. Braun Strowman eliminates Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman then, the most over guy. You talk about building somebody successfully. Braun Strowman has been built beautifully. Beautifully. He goes on to WrestleMania. Can you imagine closing WrestleMania with Braun Strowman beating Brock Lesnar? Can you imagine WrestleMania closes with Braun Strowman holding up the universal title? Now we've got a guy who appears to be just as unbeatable as Brock Lesnar, but he's actually on TV every week? Oh my God. This is like tantric. It's amazing. That's, to me, where we go. That's where we go. You want to know what creative direction the last professional broadcaster goes in? That's the direction I go in. And you don't announce it. You think that Braun Strowman is done for the night after he's been tied up and Kane got pinned for the title. Now Brock Lesnar has no choice but to defend that title at the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Um, as far as the women's, uh, as far as the women's rumble goes, I don't want to, uh, uh, not give them their due. Uh, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ronda Rousey's in it. Obviously I have no inside information. This is just me theorizing. Um, I'd like to see Ronda Rousey, uh, in, in, in the match. I don't think Ronda Rousey should win. I don't think it'd be good for the roster if Ronda Rousey won. I think that, that you should, uh, you should, uh. You should respect the roster enough, the women's roster and what they've done to not have Ronda win. Personally, I would have Asuka win the Royal Rumble, and the women's Royal Rumble. And that's because I think it would just add so much to Asuka. You know, there's this cop-out where undefeated streaks still maintain, even if you don't, battle royals don't count. So if you don't win a battle royal, you still haven't been defeated, which I, I, I say it's a cop-out. I don't mind it. I don't mind that whole thing, but... I think that it would be so strong to watch an undefeated person also win the Royal Rumble. Now you become really unbeatable. How is Alexa Bliss or whoever the women's champion is for Raw at that moment at WrestleMania going to compete against Asuka? 
you know, and maybe have Asuka lose at WrestleMania. What type, I mean, can, how mind-blowing would that be? But then you've really built a superstar. And then still, you still do Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. That's I would love to see that match. That's Charlotte's the only opponent for Ronda Rousey. I would love to see the match. Put the title on the line. Do whatever you want to do. You know, I hope Ronda Rousey stays in WWE for as long uh, as I'm watching. I think she's going to be a, a, a tremendous addition if she is indeed coming. She might not be coming at all. So that's another expectation you have to have. Ronda Rousey might not be on the show. But only 18 women have been announced uh, for the for the Royal Rumble. I think you're going to see a bunch of... I think you'll see Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Um, I think you'll see people... I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Candice LeRae. I think you will see Candice LeRae pop up in that Rumble. Uh, I think you'll see Lita. I think that's why she wasn't on Raw 25, in just my opinion. I think you'll see Lita pop up in that Rumble. Um, I, I, I think you'll see... I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Medusa, to tell you the truth. Alundra Blaze pop up in that Rumble. I think it's going to be a really fun night. Both of those rumbles, we have 17 men announced, 18 women announced. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really fun night. There are great directions to go in with this. And I just hope, um, I hope that it turns out as great as it could potentially be. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think AJ Lee will be in. Uh, I wouldn't, be, I, I, I think Nikki Cross will be in. I don't think AJ, AJ Lee will be in. She's not coming back anytime soon. Um... I don't know if Trish will, be, Trish will be in or not. I don't know if she's in the mentality of wanting to wrestle. She could anytime. I mean, I saw her. She's in amazing shape. Um, it's like Trish is just such a legend. She's like the Stone Cold of the women's division, I feel like. So it would have to be really... Like Stone Cold wouldn't come back just to do a spot in a Royal Rumble and get eliminated, right? So, you know, that's that. That's the only thing that leaves me hemming and hawing about, uh, about uh, Trish. Um, but yeah... So that's where I'm at uh, right now with the Royal Rumble. Again, I'll be there, and I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait. Uh, and I uh, hope you guys all enjoy it. We'll talk after the Rumble and, and, and figure out what went down uh, amongst us. Uh, I should be recording a pretty fun podcast while I'm out there at the Rumble. Not a live one, just a, just recording one uh, to air later uh, that I think you guys are really, really, really going to enjoy. Don't forget to check the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash notsam, notsam.com. Of course, the SeatGeek code is uh, SAM. If you download the SeatGeek app uh, and you put SAM in the in the promo code, you'll get $20 off whatever tickets you want to buy. And it really is, I mean, it's the only place that you should be getting tickets from. So check that out, and we will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.